Oi, you, stop doing that. This is Riot Act, the Alternative Music Podcast. Sit down, come here, come on, clean behind your ears. My name's Stephen Hill, his name's Renfrey Deadman. I've just, just got out of the shower, yeah, sorry. Yeah, sit down, stop doing that, all right, all right. calm down, and everyone settle in for what I presume will be episode 34 of Riot Act, the Alternative <laughs> Music presume. Podcast. Well, you I started, presume so. You started this in quite an antagonistic manner. Thank you. always a compliment for you always a compliment um always always how are you Renfrey I'm all right thank you how are you Steve I'm all right thanks mate good got a Faith No More mug hello uh which I'm holding up to the GoPro because theoretically some of this is going to go on YouTube oh that's a dangerous thing to say okay okay we'll see won't we um uh yeah so but more news I'm not going to go into that like a big sell I don't, I don't have a, uh, I, I just have a sort of patterned mug, sort of a normal kind of one that you'd buy from an Ikea or a home yeah. base or something like that. It's I very nice. that is from British Home Stores, as mm. my mother likes to call them. Um, so uh, before we start, we should do what we always do, which is go, thanks Musicism, you're the best. So musicism.net is the place to go uh, where our friends make video content, which is of far higher quality content than what we're doing right now on a video um, of how to make uh, yourself a better singer, songwriter, guitarist or producer. And it only costs £9.99 a month, which Renfrey, even by today's standards, is fuck all. Everything's going through the roof. I know. It's going to stay that price even post-Brexit. Wow. What's going to happen next week? Only Jacob Rees-Mogg. And Phil Collins will be allowed to afford it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, um, uh, yeah but you, the, the, it will be more affordable to, to the people who go to the checkout and put in the code RIOT in capital letters, which will give them 25% off Ooh. the old Brexit-friendly price, isn't it? <laughs> we, I think we mentioned Brexit two weeks running now, haven't we? Probably. We've never mentioned it Well, before. it's on the cusp, isn't it? It's on supposedly. the tip of the tongue. On, although I don't know if it is. It's very confusing. We probably shouldn't talk about Brexit because neither of us have I don't really know anything about it. Other no one does. Everyone seems to be very upset by everything that's going on yeah. around it. No one's is, happy. Which is fine. Won't stop them making heavy metal music magazines, though, will it? It so, won't. It won't, no. I'm all right. Fuck you all. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, on this week's show, later on, we're going to be reviewing a new album from Karen O and Danger Mouse together as a team, yeah. working as a team. You had a little pause there, which yeah. might sound like they were different albums. But, but they're not, but yeah. They're not uh, from good. the Cinematic Orchestra, uh, from American Football and from La Dispute. That's all coming up later on. Um, also want to give a shout out um, to the people who have patronised themselves. <laughs> Is that a word? It is now. Oh, good. Our patrons <laughs> over at uh, patreon.com forward slash riot act podcast. Uh oh, you've been patronized. Uh, you've been, you've been patronized. Come on. Um, <laughs> yeah, you son of a bitch. You're a patron now. You're my patron. <laughs> so hey, the quality of this video might not be good, but the content is yes, absolute class. But the, uh, the quality of the Arnold Schwarzenegger impressions is tippity top <laughs> do you do an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression because everyone's really. got one everyone's got a De Niro a Schwarzenegger well, and someone else I'm capable of doing one but I don't think Come it's on. very good I think everyone would like to hear uh, it I, I, oh god I don't Come know on. what I should say I don't know hasta la vista baby is that Robert De Niro doing no, Arnold Schwarzenegger's it's lines no it's not I'm just saying that uh, like you put me under pressure I did you're and right I said not I didn't, very nice I said I didn't really do you do any impressions of anyone um I love an impression. I must do. I don't really know. Yeah. I do an impression of Stephen Hill. Go on. 
I don't really. <laughs> no, you don't really. <laughs> I'm not, well, not that I'm going to do it in front of you. <laughs> We're very close. You fucking, what the fuck? Um, anyway. I'll, so, think of, I'll think of my impressions next week. All right, sweet. Yeah, good. We'll do that on trade-off, shall we? <laughs> the impressions round. That would be good. Um, it would, wouldn't it? Uh, anyway, um, the people that have contributed a pound or more a month uh, at the Patreon page, which again, patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. I've been very nice. And there is content over there for you who you've paid for, that you get way before the people like you who haven't given us any money. Uh, we've just had one going up about Massive Attack. And yes. Mezzanine, which is good. Yeah. We're doing Devon Townsend and the 68 soon. Yes, yes. Uh, we, in fact, this week it went, uh, writer's review went up a little bit late, so apologies for that. Mm-hmm. We are just really behind because shitloads of stuff is coming out. Shitloads of stuff's coming out. And also, can I say that we're working on something behind the scenes even better for patrons? Can I say that? have said it sure i'm not going to say what it is <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. But i'm just saying me and renfrey have cooked up another because we've been saying we should do more for patreon yeah, yeah, yeah. and we have an idea that we're cooking up at the moment which we should be able to reveal in about six weeks to two months <laughs> all right yeah I, I like i like how broad that is that that works yeah. for me yeah that's so six cool. weeks to two months to a yeah. year and a half <laughs> yeah. so that'd be fun right <laughs> Um, so anyway, yeah, go over and become a patron. Um, find us on Twitter, on Facebook, and all that. And give us yeah. a bloody, give us five stars on iTunes, all that shit. All that's that the shit. beggy, beggy. We got, we got 140 uh, reviews on iTunes now, yeah. and but some we of need them more, and some of them are good. <laughs> uh, so most of them are good. Most of them are good. To be fair. What have you been up to this week, though? Um, in the live sphere. In the live sphere, I've seen too many bands. You I've have. become gigged out. Do you want me to start from the beginning? Um, if you like. Okay. Um, on Wednesday, I broke my gig uh, hiatus, uh, as I hadn't been to loads of gigs for ages. I went to see this um, quite small band, actually, called El Muno. Are you mm. aware of El Muno? No, I'm not, no. So they kind of... I, I wrote that they're like 50% silver chair. 40% Ooh. Alice in Chains Ooh. and a little smidgy smidge of tool in there as well. Oh. That'd be the remaining 10% for math fans. And um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of early silver chair in it actually. Um, some, some people who are a little bit older than us who see silver chair as part of that, what, second or third wave even? Yeah. Generation. Uh, the post grunge movie. Let's call yeah. them post grunge. Yeah. We'll be like, oh, silver chair. They were just Nirvana ripoffs. And those are people who listen to their first album and then never listen to yeah. anything else. We have talked about silver chair a little bit on this podcast yeah, already. Um, massively underrated band. I think we both agree on that. Yeah, I love silver chair. Um, but yeah, it's just really nice. I think because so. I, I don't know if El Muno themselves would say that that's an influence of theirs, but um, it's so nice to hear people doing that. It's just like really interesting rock songs with going, which go in lots of different places and you're never quite sure where they're going to go. and mm. Very varied and stuff. Sounds good. Very, very early days. I think they've got a few kinks to work out as a live band and stuff like that. But mm. um, they have an EP called Tides and it's very good. Right. Uh, it's well worth checking out. I'm. The, it's early days, but I'm kind of like, yeah. All right. Interested Great. in the old El Muno. So that's one good gig out of four. Yeah. Like, if two good gigs out of four? Yeah. Right, who um, was that? Because I went to see Bob Mould. You did go and see Bob Mould. Now, mm. I was going to go and then I didn't. Yeah. I fucked up, didn't I? Sucks to be you, yeah, because I it was, was doing, great. I'm doing something. I'm, I'm doing two really, really cool things for Metal Hammer at the moment, mm. by the way. Okay. So I was doing that. So you've got things going on. I've got places. things going on, yeah. 
Um, well, Bob was very unhappy because you weren't there. But apart from that, um, he was in a great mood uh, because his new album, Sunshine Rock, which we both fucking yeah, loved. wicked album. Played loads of songs from that record. Good. Uh, seven or eight. I think it's only a 10 track record. No, it's 12 tracks as well. But he played, he seven played or eight. Seven or eight. Well, songs. You, which, which one? You were there, weren't you? Uh, he played Sun King. He played, I didn't get the set list up. I can get it up if you want. He yeah. Played Sun- okay. Get it up. <laughs> For fuck's sake, you what are, are you? such a Barney. I'm <laughs> such a Barney. Get, what? Don't say seven or eight. You're supposed to be a journalist. Oh, it was four or six out of ten, was it? <laughs> I think it was seven. <laughs> right. But I will check for you right no, now. I'm being facetious, Renfrew. Oh, well. I'm being you know, bawdy. Gotta be, I'm being aggressive I mean, flirting. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm almost... Uh, this is you flirting. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. Um, eight. Seven. Seven. Yes. yes. So seven. Oh, amazing! Yeah, he played Not seven. Not eight. Not eight. Not eight. I mean, it was eight. Was close. Literally one off, but that's fine. Mm. Uh, he also played a bunch of Husker Du songs, which Ooh. were excellent. Yes, including they were. I apologize. I did. Yeah, and I did. in a free land, Ooh. and celebrated summer, yeah. and makes no sense at all, which he finished with. Mm. Um, uh, but there were also some sugar songs, which I think yeah, would be like particularly that. upsetting for you. A mm. um, lot of copper blue, was it? Three songs from Copper Blue. Mm. I remembered that exactly. Um, so it was a good idea. I love uh, it. Oh, so good. Second song as well. He went into it. I screamed like a little girl. Might have right. had a pint. Might have had a pint. Um, if I Can't Change Your Mind and Hoover Dam, oh. which was fucking great. Um, he's just brilliant, really. There isn't... Like, there's no... Uh, there's no pyrotechnics there's no show there's no it's lights and a three-piece and just great rock songs so good songs played well that will never get old that's the thing though like but it's that done to its greatest degree bearing Mm. in mind that he's been going for he's been doing this for so long now so long and he's just brilliant at it probably around the time you were born and i was i'd imagine so pooping in nappies for for a laugh (laughs) So Wednesday what? yesterday yeah, yeah. yeah same thread yeah um but it was fantastic and now like i'm so firmly in it's really weird because i started down my bob mold road uh with husker do right as most people probably do mm-hmm. um and discovering sugar and his solo work since since you gave me sugar for trade-off mm-hmm. Um, I think I prefer Sugar and, and his solo work, I have to say. You're mm. making a face. I'm not prepared to comment. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I, I love Husker Du. I think they're really, really good. But I I have been into Husker Du for the last sort of seven, eight years and then and just didn't. It was one of those things where I didn't bother with Bob Mould and yeah. um, Sugar and wish I had beforehand mm. because, yeah, I think if I had to... If I had to take one of them out of the equation, for me, it would probably be Husker Doom, which a lot of people will go bonkers over. Yeah. But there but, you go. You know, you I mean, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you about that. If I can't change your mind, then no one will. Oh! Ah! So that's one of his songs. Um, go on. So two good gigs out of four. Uh, Three out of four? That'd be mad, wouldn't it? Well, you were at the third one, okay. so why don't you chip in? Because I feel like Svalbard and time. Ithaca. Mm-hmm. Uh, I missed. We should, f- we should I mentioned Morrow. I was going to say I, we, neither of us saw Watch Cries. I didn't see Watch Cries. I did see Morrow. Uh-huh. Um, it was fine. Oh, okay. You know, they were all right. Sort of two-person sludginess. What? 
two, not two front men. Right. So I was going to say person. there were seven people on yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quite interesting to have a what a fiddler, um, violin or fiddlist. violin or fiddler. Yeah. yeah. Um, not in the Michael Jackson sense. Uh, um, <laughs> a, 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 a violinist. Um, but yeah, but I, you know, it was, it was ramshackle. It's all right. It was, I, but it was ramshackle. I definitely enjoyed it more than you. I th- think the I've seen the um, uh, violin bowed stringed instruments with hardcore thing before, mm-hmm. and I've never seen it integrated as well as I thought Morrow did for that particular style of music for uh, for hardcore. Is what I'm suggesting. Yeah, because I was going to say old um, uh, neo oblivascaris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, but that's more that's more metal, symphonic metal. Symphonic yeah. metal. Um, yeah. Talons are another great band who do it, but they're post metal. Trying basically. to think of another one that would even have even tried to do that, but I I can't off the top of my head. But yeah, I thought they were you know it was fine. Yeah, I, I it liked it. I didn't think I don't think the two vocalists brought anything to it particularly. I think that's a problem. Um, is that is how big a problem is that though? Well, it's not a problem with the workhouse two... movement. No, but the workhouse movement do. <laughs> Lots of different <laughs> the workhorse movement. I mean, you know, like when you listen to well, in in the same way as that you kind of listen to Raging Speed on, you go, "Why is there two of you?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's Why? the thing. But you like Raging Speed on, and I like Raging I like Speed on, but I don't like Raging Speed on. And go, they're better than I Monkey because they've got two vocalists. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was a bit like it's like, well, I don't know what I don't know what they're bringing mm. individually to that. Not okay. like sick. You know, what I mean, it's a sixth. Yeah, or yeah, even, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even Lacuna Coil. You I can't thought, get those two mixed I up. I thought you were going to say Linkin Park. No. <laughs> I mean, you can tell those two apart. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. like whether you, you like them or not, you can tell them apart. You can, they, yeah. they bring different things to One it. of them you go, oh, you can't rap, you're awful. And the other one you go, oh, you can't sing, you're awful. So it's different. Yeah, yeah let's move on. Anyway, Ithaca. Uh, we had um, uh, Jamila and we had uh, Serena from Svalbard and Ithaca respectively on the show so it was nice to see them doing their thing after we'd had that chat last week and we got a very good response for last week's podcast yeah, by the way really so good response. thanks very Thank much you. if you listened to it and you enjoyed it and we will um definitely get both of them back on the show definitely um ithaca the album's wicked isn't it yep the album's wicked and uh i thought it took a little while before they sounded like the album Unfortunately, mm-hmm. I think they were kind of there was a muddy sound mix. There was a problem with well everybody's vocals actually on all the microphones with the but you couldn't really hear any vocals and when they came in they were a bit up and down. So it lost a little bit of its impact initially. There were more tech issues. It, it's I, I mean I've seen two shows in a row with Ithaca. There weren't anywhere near as many tech issues as there were for their. Uh, album launch show right um but i think kind of the, that being a celebration and that kind of uh like the crowd just really pulled them through that mm. um and it was less of a kind of celebration this show this was just like an, an ethica show you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or co-headline or whatever and um uh yes so i think the issues were I think the technical issues were more of an issue this time, if that makes sense, even though there were less of them. Yeah, okay, um, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I can comment from last time, but certainly but, it slowed the momentum down a little bit and it mm. meant that when they first started, it it, it didn't quite hit top gear. Mm. But then by the end, by the last sort of two songs, mm. they sounded fucking great. I think when, like, yeah, but particularly towards the end, they sounded absolutely fucking amazing. And mm. they are, they're very, very tight and very... Yeah 
they're playing incredibly intricate, difficult, technical music. Yeah. It's, um, I, I, you know, I wouldn't say it's Dillinger, but it, it's Dillinger-esque. It reminds me of Dillinger sort of type things yeah, that they're doing. Um, and the fact that they're that tight on their debut album, I know they've been around, around for a while, but you know, it doesn't feel like you're watching a band who only have one full length album out, mm. you know? So, um, yeah, I thought, they, I thought they were good. I thought they, they were, were good. I think yeah. thought they were marred by things which were out of their control, which is annoying. Yeah, pretty but, annoying. You know. But, you know, it's good. Svalbard, on the other hand, I thought were excellent. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. really, really excellent. Sounded was suddenly crystal clear. Yep. Um, those songs uh, from It's Hard to Have Hope sound really, really savage. Like, I've seen Svalbard before. And I was funny, I was talking to someone and I was saying, you know, I saw them supporting Oathbreaker and I thought they were good. But, you know, I was just like, when you're playing with Oathbreaker, like, you have to, yeah, really tough to even be a footnote when you're supporting a band as good as that. And I thought they were were decent, but because of the company they were in, they were just like totally dwarfed by that. Whereas on Saturday, I thought with the new songs, it just gave them, they, they felt much more dynamic. They sounded bigger, they sounded tighter. They sounded heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could just tell from watching, like you watch Serena and it's that thing that we've been saying for the last month or so about, you know, people meaning what they say. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really got, um, she's got, a, she's a really, uh, a really sort of engaging front person. She had so much more conviction yeah. on um, last Saturday night than I've seen her have um, before, mm. actually. Um, I think I think since the release of the second album, I've been quite unlucky with Svalbard in a way because I think I've seen shows where, again, they've had sort of issues that have been beyond their control and I've always felt like they've been very good but capable of so much more. Yeah, I, This, for me, was by far the best Svalbard show I've ever seen. Really? Yeah, I yeah. thought it was absolutely amazing. I actually broke, uh, spoke to Serena briefly afterwards and she said she thinks it's the best they've ever played as wow. well. Um, I just thought they were absolutely amazing. It felt like, similar to what you were saying, it felt like they had the sound that they deserved for the first time ever. I think Svalbard have a very complex, expansive sound, which is important to get right. And unfortunately, yeah. a lot of the time that they've played on Bills, they haven't been given the sound they, they mm. deserve um, for whatever reason, you know. Um and but you could hear everything crystal clear. The songs just sounded absolutely brilliant. It was a brilliant mix of old stuff and new stuff. Mm. Um, I thought they were amazing. I've rarely seen them be better. I think like there was one time I saw them in Bristol. Something about seeing them in Bristol as they're from Bristol. But um, yeah, just I, I thought they were absolutely brilliant. A band which I feel the industry keeps underestimating as well yeah the amount of our contemporaries who i've seen say oh i've only just got around to listening to that new svalbard new svalbard album it's about a year old now Mm. it's really good and it's like dude where were you a year ago when it came out you know um i think they are very uh underrated and underassessed by the media a lot and i think that's a real shame because they are fantastic they're a brilliant, brilliant band at yeah. the peak of their powers. There are there are bands who are as 
who are similar to them who are getting who f- it feels like are more press darlings if you like mm-hmm. in Svalbard yep. and um, yeah that is a shame yeah it was excellent an excellent show fantastic the weather really? was fucking staggeringly bad though wasn't it my god Saturday night I was <laughs> pissing it down you're always annoyed about something yeah <laughs> well there's always something to be annoyed about this is not the way I, w- well, I wish for it Rimfrey, but I'm you know, curious to know if you're annoyed about this um, the next day I trundled down to Guildford mm-hmm. Uh, to see Jamie Lenman. Yeah, you did, yeah. Who has announced a new album. Mm. Now, you're a big fan of the covers album, aren't you? As we've attested in the last few weeks. Well, if it's good, I am. Okay. <laughs> um, so Morrissey's got a covers album. We'll be, doing, we'll be reviewing the Morrissey yeah. covers album. Yeah, I saw you put that on the schedule. Very nice. Mm. Um, uh, did you hear Popeye? Yeah. What, uh, just a quick... I'm just curious about yeah. your opinion. Like, excellent. So yeah, if you're going to do a song, yeah. fucking change it. Yeah. You don't get much more different from the original Popeye <laughs> the Sailor Man for what Jamie Lenman's do, done with it. It's fucking great. Jamie Lenman hasn't gone on a fucking greatest cartoons Spotify playlist and just recreated <laughs> the first four songs like fucking what Weezer did. He really hasn't. Um, looking at the uh, track list for the album, it looks absolutely... It's a covers album, but not as we know it. You know, like, um, I think Hey Jude is one of the songs on there. Yeah. Uh, which is brave. And like, there's, but there's like songs, like one of a song sung in like the oldest, or what is it, the oldest song ever? Or like a song sung in a totally different language and stuff mm. like this. There's all sorts of really weird, interesting stuff. There's a video game theme from his childhood that's on there. Um, and he just, just to sort of launch that whole thing the album's called shuffle just to launch that whole campaign he did a small gig for um free for lucky fans it was like a lucky dip thing i think um who uh pre-ordered the album i don't know it was some kind of competition yeah um and it was great obviously because jamie's just always a fantastic presence he's always himself it doesn't ever feel like um it's planned what he's gonna say we've talked about this before this um, i hate this kind of idea of a you know, a frontman who who knows everything that they're going to say before they talk and all that kind of thing. And like Jamie, it just feels like half gig, half comedy routine almost, you know. Mm. Um, this was an even better show in the sense that um, there was no set list. So it was literally just Jamie and Dan, his drummer. Jamie would just turn to Dan and be like, what do you want to play next? And Dan would just be like, I don't know. And then Jamie would start playing a riff and they'd go into it. And there was a lot That's of great. like stuff with that. Um, and they just played a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, started with All of England is a City mm. from Devolver. Uh, they did some Ruben songs, Keep It to Yourself. Uh, no One Wins the War, which I went bonkers about. They did a Nirvana cover of On the Plane, cool. which was fucking great, which isn't on the record. And they played a couple of um, new songs from the album as well. One called Killer... Um, one called Shebop, which is the Cindy Lauper cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and they sound very, very interesting indeed. Cool. Um, so yeah, it was a really, really nice, like just night in a pub, um, in a place called the Star Inn in Guildford, which looks like it's going to, um, be closing if it's, if we're not careful. So if you can go on, uh, and look up the petition to, to save that, that would be brilliant because it's a lovely space. And as always, yeah, Jamie was just wonderful and just brilliant so i'm really looking forward to seeing what he's going to get up to with this sweet album cycle yeah me too obviously mm. like should be that is like i say a covers album worth listening yeah to. Definitely. definitely um so anyway well that's good what an interesting week you had uh yeah. <laughs> uh and i'll tell you i've had an interesting week 
Chris Fenn, formerly of Slipknot, has had an interesting week. Very similar week, me and Chris Fenn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so Chris Fenn has been kicked out of Slipknot because he, uh, he's filed a, he filed a lawsuit against Corey Taylor and Sean Crayon uh, regarding potential um, uh, payment, or not potential, but alleged payments um, of touring fees that have fallen outside the, the band. So outside the nine members of Slipknot. It's money, basically. So it's, it's a money problem. Money. Uh, Chris Venn obviously found out about that, and he is now upset, suing the <laughs> band, and is no longer a member of Slipknot, which at this point, we can't really say. Well, I definitely can't say whether or not those claims are true. It's going to go no. be dragged through the court. Um, so I don't know. But all we do know is that Chris Fenn is no longer a member of Slipknot. Uh, the third member of the nine. So that is a third mm. of the original Slipknot lineup that are no longer in Slipknot. Um, at what point does this start becoming a little bit farcical, Renfrey? <laughs> Um, 2010. Uh, when, <laughs> I think um, I, I the first thing I thought of when I heard this story is going back to kind of Iowa sort of time. Yeah, and I believe it was even it may have even been Joey. I mean, realistically, it was either Joey or Sean um, who said, "If one person leaves this band, this band is over." Yep, and <laughs> just kind of like well. How things change. You'd be better um, off not saying those sort of things, sort of just in case, really, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the stuff that, you know, Slipknot have said in the press, um, they're constantly trying to sort of outdo themselves. And it's it's really interesting. Of those massive, massive bands, I really love, I love Slipknot. They're an amazing band, you mm -hmm. know, proper, um, like one of this generation's greatest metal bands, probably. Or the last generation. Last generation. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> You're getting um, old, mate. <laughs> but, but <clears throat> funnily enough, I've never really had any interest in um, interviewing them at all. Hello, bonjour. Um, because all I see when they're interviewed is kind of... Um, it's, it's like the same thing that Trump does, in a way, in that he says these big, outrageous things but they don't really mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like, oh, this this song's going to be the heaviest thing you've ever heard. It's going to be, it's going to completely fuck up your ears. It's going to be like a knife in your skull, blah, blah, blah. And then, and snuff, then, comes and then snuff comes out. And it's yeah. like, you know, and it's just, I mean, I'm just not interested in them as people at all. No. Um, <clears throat> so, clown, clown is... Just Clown's the main one. I mean, they actually stopped round volume three. I think they actually said, "Can you not? Can talk you not to talk? Can you not ever talk to anyone ever again?" Uh, which has stopped. Which has stopped, unfortunately. Mm. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, 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 I. This was pretty much a collective shrug for me. I mean, let's face it. Chris Fenn's a percussionist. Yeah. So musically, is it going to affect them massively? No. Probably not. I mean, it's not. Um, but this is a thing where you go, hold on. You said you need all of you. Like yeah. that was the thing. Like you need all. Yeah, we wouldn't sound the way we sound without all nine of us sounding the way that making that sound that we sound together. 
And you think, right, Debatably, well, they don't, though. I, I, yeah. Based on five. No, <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Although um, I, I quite like, I know you don't, but I quite like that no, album. But. No, and well, it's better than All Hope Is Gone. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, I think you've basically, you've got Paul Gray's very, very tragic yep. passing. And at that point, yeah, it took them a, a long time to replace Paul Gray. Yeah. Uh, which I think they showed him a lot of respect. Um, and I did kind of go, okay, well, if you want to carry on without Paul Gray and you feel like you can, you'd have to be a bit of a shit to go, no, yeah. you can't. Mm-hmm. That's not good. Uh, yeah, in those circumstances, absolutely. I wouldn't have said what I just said. No, of course. Fuck no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joey Jordison is a different thing. I yeah. think Joey Jordison was one of the along with sort of Corey Taylor and Sean Cray and Joey Jordison felt like one of the mouthpieces and also one of the most important facets of what made Slipknot an interesting band in the first place. His drumming style, his drumming technique. Um, he was one of the and, songwriters as well. And, and the fact that he was one of the songwriters, but then oh. so was Paul as well. Do you know what I mean? So they've lost two of, they've lost two of their main songwriters. They've also lost Jim Root. I'd completely forgotten about that. Mm-hmm. Um, is that true? Have they lost Jim Root? Well, we've lost them as a songwriter, definitely. Or as, as a songwriter, has he, yeah. Has yeah. He gone? I don't think he's gone. Gone. No, no, no. no he hasn't gone. Sorry, he left. No, he left Stone Sour, didn't he? Sorry, mm-hmm. I was getting my um, uh, my band, my my Jim Root projects mixed <laughs> up there. Uh, we've all done it. Yeah, we've all done it. Um, but yeah, Jim Root has said he's not had said he's not going to write songs anymore. Well, Corey asked him not. Or to. Or Corey asked him not to, <clears throat> and which means you wasn't happy about it. Yeah, so he's not happy. And now you've got Chris Fenn leaving, which again, you know, like musically, Chris Fenn leaving. Isn't going to make a massive whatever, difference. Just put someone else in a willy nose <laughs> outfit and, <laughs> and give him a keg and a bit of wood to fucking hit. You That's can, a good point. We won't get wanky willy nose anymore. You probably still will. I mean, I would be amazed if they just were like, if they didn't replace him. No, but they won't give him the same mask, will they? I think they probably will give him a similar sort of mask. I mean... Mm. Old uh, Jay, the new drummer, has got a similar master. Old Jay. Old Jay. Is that what they call yeah. him? <laughs> I can't remember his surname. Uh, he's got um, he's got a he's got a similar mask to uh, to Joey, and V Man's got a very similar mask to Paul. Oh, ish. You can see. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. they change him after every album anyway. Yeah. So there's nothing to say that they wouldn't have, you know. So I would imagine they'll go, yeah, you're the wanky nose one. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't really need the wanky nose stuff. It's uh, one of the bits of the live show where I'm like, don't need to see your wank, your nose, mate. No, no, well, no one does. <laughs> no one needs that, do they? Imagine if you went to a show and you were like, oh, I can't wait for the Slipknot show, and you were queuing up outside <laughs> with your peers. And they were going, oh, I really hope they play Scissors. Yeah. And then you were like, don't care. And someone was like, oh, God, imagine, can't wait when they do Duality and oh, they're going to do the Jump the Fuck Up during Spit yeah. Out. Oh, what yeah. songs? They might play a new song, yeah. yeah. And you were like, mm, not bothered. And someone went, why Why are you here, mate? You don't seem interested at all. I just go and see any bands or any piece of art live where a man pretends his nose is a penis. Yeah. And Slap that's not me listening to Prince. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah. those are the only yeah, pieces like, of art. They're the only two things, and a sort of naughty version of Pinocchio. <laughs> they're the main two things that I like. 
I I've don't not, think that person exists. That one. I mean, I genuinely, I gen, like one, I don't think anyone's ever said that sentence I just said. And two, I don't think that person exists. So I think ultimately, like, give him a new master, give him a new thing. It's just, it doesn't really matter. But it's more of what it represents for Slipknot. They said all this stuff. If, if, you're, if, if you're listening and you're our age, you remember when that first Slipknot album came out and you remember what it was like. It was terrifying. And you remember the things they said and the way they behaved. And, you know, there aren't many bands that go through their entire career without changing any members at all. Mm. Although I think actually the kind of, the, the new metal generation has, has done all right, actually. When you think yeah. Korn have only ever changed their drummer. I know mm. um, Head left and then came back. Mm. He's never really replaced. Deftones have only changed because, again, they had to. Um, I don't think Linkin Park ever changed anyone. I don't think Pe- Papa Roach ever changed anyone. I know Disturbed changed their um, I think Papa Roach have. Have they? But, yeah. Okay. But who's paying attention? No, not really. <laughs> um, and do you know what I mean? I think that like actually that kind of generation, of it, like obviously Rage Against the Machine were always yeah. the four members of yeah. Rage Against the Machine. System of a Down have always been those four members of System of a Down. Yeah. <laughs> If, whether they want fatter, to be in them fatter or not. and less interested yeah I know but they are still the same people yeah. Um, uh, but yeah but uh-uh. but and, and then Slipknot come along and it's it's got a bit it's got a bit kiss unmasked I think. yeah I, th- I think all that extremity stuff like it, again you know not wanting to sound like an old codger but if you go back to 1999 and when they were saying all that extremity stuff and we are the most extreme band and blah 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 we sniff fucking dead crows in a jar it was um it seemed more believable then as when you yeah. went to the shows and stuff because they were young and um incredibly reckless i mean mm. it did it felt like uh, when when they'd say in the press that it it feels like someone could die at some point like usually a person on stage seeing a slipknot show was a bit like that it was just like fuck is is uh sid really gonna jump off that balcony yeah. that's you know um, and he did and he did uh many times and um but i think they're all in the their 40s that, now and the it's, it's that stuff just doesn't work coming out they're of a so big person, and yeah. the fact that they've I don't know, there's a little part of me that goes, you never should have got this far into your career. Mm. You just shouldn't have done. You're just not. You've. It, I, I feel like Slipknot to me are hugely compromised now, like in, in every respect. Do you know what it is? It's about metal bands in particular being able to grow old gracefully. Mm. I think we've discussed in the past about how Deftones have grown old gracefully. Yeah. I mean, old, you know, they're not like super, super old, but you know, with every, every record, they're still they're still a heavy band, but they, they, there's just a grace to the way that they're changing their sound, and they don't feel like old men playing young music. Mm. I wouldn't go as far as to say that you know the Grey Chapter sounds like old men playing young man's music or anything like that, but certainly the way they come across sometimes it is just a bit like you need to learn how to adapt Slipknot into a different older version with grace mm. and i don't think they're capable of doing think, that i mean you say that but the thing is is like old old people for want of a better word older people yeah are still capable of making heavy records yeah 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 do you know like carcasses like napalm death 
um, just two off the top of my head. Like Cannibal Corpse's albums are still really, really fucking heavy. But it's the manner in which you do it, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And and, and and I think um, and like the latest Slipknot single sounds like a massive throwback to mm. the first album. Um, it, like it's it's pretty good. I'm not I'm not going to slate it. I think it's a pretty decent single. Yeah, actually. it's alright. Yeah. Um, but I. <laughs> I saw a lot of people going, yeah, it sounds a bit like Eyeless. And I was like, ah, it sounds a bit like Eyeless. That's, and, and, and it's nowhere near as good as Eyeless. And, you know, it, it actually made me war, more worried for the new record than excited about it, to be honest. Yeah. Because I, can you imagine if Slipknot took on kind of the heavy elements of Neurosis or something like that? Or... Yeah, but the, well, this is the thing, isn't it? Like, I mean, I don't know what them. They seem to be more interested in the radio friendly. Yeah, that's the thing, and that's and that's the path they've I chosen. Think Serena last week said it sounds like Stone Sour. I, I I don't always agree with that. I have to say. I mean, um, I think the last point, and I think we both agree on this. The last point <laughs> where they actually looked like they were going to. Um, grow old with some grace was volume three yeah because yeah there's acoustic ballads on that and there's you know it opens with that amazing song um the blister exists the blister exists i think it is yeah, yeah. and um and closes with danger keep away which are these really weird like synthy mm. um expansive heavy tunes but heavy in a different way and mm. i was quite sad when slipknot dropped that um there's a tiny teeny bit of it on volume five and i guess snuff was sort of an attempt for that i mean snuff is when they sound like stone sour to me yeah. i don't think they sounded like stone sour at any point on volume three personally no there's definitely a lot on, on i mean i think all hope is gone is just Not a very good. piece of shite to be honest it's rubbish i think it's got very very little going for it I, I i wouldn't call it a piece of shite i think it's a very average album piece of shit <laughs> uh anyway me or the album both of you <laughs> <laughs> anyway chris fenn he is no in slipknot anymore boy so no dick nose. um hmm? no more dick nose no more dick nose yeah. when will he be back dick nose <laughs> uh <laughs> jesus don't even Christ. have a fucking clue what that could possibly mean but anyway um let's do some bloody reviews shall we so the first review that we're going to do this week is now that came out last week it is by karen o and danger mouse it's called lux prima it is the first collaboration album of these two people working together as a team so that'd be karen o famous of course for her work in the yeah yeah yes uh -huh. and danger mouse famous for fucking hell loads of just producing loads of stuff um, producing the likes. Well, he became renowned with the um, uh, collaboration of Jay-Z's The Black Album and The Beatles' White Album, yeah, yeah. which was a remix, which was called The Grey Album. Do you see what he did there? I Very do. clever. Um, which is excellent, actually. He's also... It, this feels like kind of like the latest in... Um, Danger Mouse's collaboration projects mm. in that he's collaborated with uh, James Mercer from The Shins with Broken Bells. He's collaborated with, well, he thought he was part of the reason Niles Barkley formed. He was oh, one, of the, one of the forming members of Niles Barkley. Um, but that was as, that was basically intended as a collaboration with CeeLo Green. 
Yeah. I just turned into Niles He Martin. also produced the last Red Hot Chili Peppers album. I will, I was going to mention this. For which he should be sat on either of our knees and had his bottom smacked. <laughs> I don't think I'd do that if I met Danger Mouse, I have to admit, because most of his work I very much enjoy. Um, I, was... I would, I'd go, you're Danger Mouse, right? You don't sound, one, you sound nothing like David Jason. <laughs> and two, your Chili Peppers album's shit, mate. <laughs> but he's also produced records by the Black off. Keys yep. and Gorillaz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Adele mm-hmm. um, so yeah he's uh, sort of a uber producer and songwriter um, and uh, auteur I would say that's a very good word for him well, thank yes, you very much very good um, so with all that in mind Renfrey oh hello yeah um, him getting together with a voice like Karen O of yeah yeah yeah's fame yeah 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 uh, what, are you, what are you saying about that is that I, a good idea yes I was immensely excited about it I love yeah yeah yeah's mm-hmm. um, up to a point um, being uh, but the first two records I think are fucking incredible I would agree with you um, I probably wouldn't say fucking incredible actually I would say I like the first two records okay I don't even mind the third one but I know that's a point where it went a bit Kings of Leon I don't mind the third one but it went in a direction i wasn't interested in uh-huh. um show me your bones which is the second yeah, yeah yeah's album i would say is incredible i okay. i re-listened to that album when this was announced yeah um and it's aged so well it's so good i thought it's been for a very long it's time it's so good and fever tl the debut is a fantastic record that's as well record, yeah that's pretty my favorite um and carano is just a brilliant very charismatic um the amount uh, singer the amount of feeling and emotion she can put into like a tiny stock phrase is mm-hmm. just incredible you can read so many different things from her singing two or three words incredible range you know it's her yeah um straight it, away very very distinctive voice very distinctive have you heard her and trent Reznor's collaboration of um immigrant songs yeah Absolutely brilliant. That's really, really good. And yeah. you shouldn't be able to cover a song like that no. song and make it good. No, you? It's a very no. difficult thing to do. It's really good. Yeah. It's really, really good. Um I was I was very, very excited about this record. Maybe a little bit too excited Uh-oh. about it. Uh-oh. <laughs> um What are you saying? Well actually, I okay, so the first time I listened to it, I sort of went, ow. Oh. Mm. It wasn't quite what i expected which is not a bad thing necessarily but it wasn't quite what i uh, what i wanted it to be i suppose it starts with that very long nine minute song mm. um which is very meandering at Patience first testing. yeah I, I thought it was a really weird way to begin the record and it kind of um tested my patience a little bit at first it then settled into a groove that I thought was more like what I was expecting, which was basically um, a rock, soul, funk, Motown hybrid mm. with Carano. Yeah. And Danger Mouse's excellent production style. Sounds lush, doesn't it? This? Sounds really Let's lush. Let's just get this out of the way. Like, production-wise, he's good. Oh, God. He's the, very, very good. The, and, and it sounds crystal clear it's, be- it's but when a the horns sound. come in i mean mm. sorry to like cut no, right no. in on you but when the horns come in what's the song is it leopard's tongue mm-hmm. where the horns and the brass is there the, the the best bit of the record i think for me Fair uh enough. and i love the fact because karen o like you 
rightly say, is a great vocalist. Yeah. And she's got a really distinctive voice. But ultimately, she is cut from that Patti Smith mould of being wild yes. rock woman. Yes. Right, do you yes. know what I mean? Like banshee howling fucking... Yes. Un, you know, when, at her best, I think... Yes, the good. That's what I am. I go. Oh, yeah, she's great. That is the good thing. I would. I would agree with that, and just say that she is more. She is capable of being more versatile than that. Yeah, but at her best, that's what she does. Very much so. And I think again to talk about musical dynamics, putting those horns and strings and making them so precise and so tight and so crisp and. Do you know what I mean? And and putting that really kind of um, perfectly executed, perfectly planned and meticulously crafted soundscape around her voice when it goes wah is is amazing. Dynamically, it sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Like sounds dynamically like those two. Those two things are basically polar opposites. Yeah. In the same way as when we talk about Oathbreaker doing black metal with ethereal Kate Bush singing, like again, those two opposites get something as far away from each other, get two things that are as far away from each other, and make them fight it out for space. Yeah. And I, that is the that is the best thing that if you're making good music, that is what your music needs. It's often, yeah. often very mo- very very much so. And I think yeah, the song Leopard's Tongue smashes that. It's brilliant. Leopard's Tongue is brilliant. Um, I think my favourite is probably Ministry. Uh, which is track two. That's a good one. Yeah. Really like that song. I think this album is bookended by two very weird songs, mm. um, and they are uh, the, both together. They take up fifteen minutes of the record, and the first time I heard it, it kind of threw me. Um, and I think that the two songs are linked. They have very similar titles. I think they have refrains within them as well that I could just about hear. Yeah. Um, I th- the more I've listened to the album, the more I've got used to those. And I don't like when I first heard them, I hated them. Now I'm like, yeah, I can see yeah. what's happening there. But I don't think it plays to Karen O's strengths. Uh, I think songs like um, Ministry, Turn the Light, and mm. Do, I think Woman, um, Leopard Tongue, as you said, which are all the songs in the middle. So it's it's a it's an album of two halves, very much. Not even two halves. It's basically of. an EP within. Yeah. An EP within yeah. an album. Yeah. Isn't it? It's a very. It's kind of an odd one. Um, and I'm all for. I want experimentation, and I also I want to be pleasantly surprised in mm. a sense. And I suppose in a way, I kind of got my cake and eaten it with both. You yeah. know, getting both of those elements for this record. Um, but I can't help but feel like we could have had a stunning like 10 out of 10 record. There's half an hour on this record, mm. which is great. Yeah. And yeah. you think you've got those two songs, um, Lux Prima and Nox Lumina. That's it. Are 15 minutes of a, what, 40? It's about, minute? it's about 41 minutes. So yeah. there's about 25, 26 minutes yeah. of So you're glorious. looking at, yeah. So you're yeah. looking at 25 minutes of this amazing kind of rock and roll, old school rock and roll lounge singer. Yeah. Which is brilliant. Yeah. Like, and sounds yeah. great and sounds really modern as well. And yeah, you're right. I think the the middle kind of six songs brilliant. are all great. Yeah. But it is patience testing to get past, just getting past that first song. 
and then letting it end, letting it fizzle out as well mm. um, is a real shame. It's weird because, like you say, she is the thing. Yeah, as yeah. good as the instrumentation and the backing is, she is the thing. I think. I think of. Um, I think a vocalist of that um, caliber needs to stand front and center in mm. front of something, and the first and last track, it's less about her. Yeah. and more about danger mouse experimenting now i think danger mouse is brilliant i love i just you know i called him an auteur at the beginning of this um uh review the reason i call him that is because you listen to it and you go oh that's danger mouse mm-hmm. like his style of production which is basically <clears throat> usually a very bassy funky dry sound which is then punctuated with like more ethereal textures above it and synthy things but immediately you can tell it's danger mouse like mm. every time and i think that is really fucking cool yeah but um even the first and last track on this sound like him trying to do something different and i don't i think that's a little bit different and that's not where his strengths lie it certainly is different from all the other things you mentioned i mean yeah in, in ter- like i wouldn't you're right to say you can tell his records in the same ways. We don't really have a kind of producer in quote unquote rock music that does, you know, I used to feel like you could tell when it was a Ross, Ross Robinson album and you could tell when, uh, well, you, I think you still can tell when it's a Steve Albini album, but there's not been someone in, mm, actually, I don't know. Maybe that's not true. I was gonna, actually, yeah. There's, there's an argument to be made for Lewis Johns. Uh, yeah, but I th- maybe. I think and there's a- an argument to be made for Will Yip, I would say, as well. Will Yip is a good shout. Um, but, yeah, when you think of, like, that signature sound that like the, Net- the Neptunes had in the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've not had many like that. So it's cool to get a producer who yeah. is very, very, very yeah. clearly single-minded in, in, and, and perfect. Like Mark Ronson's another one. You hear something that definitely mark ronson ronson is someone else who i would call an auteur in that mm. i prefer danger mouse personally but but they have a lot of similar characteristics and a lot of similar influences mm. and yet they take those influences and take them in a slightly directions. different yeah. direction i think yeah. mark ronson seems like so the diff- if this would sound very different this record if mark ronson produced it, definitely i think it would sound really really different yeah. i think mark ronson is i think mark ronson listens to the, the albums that he loves and goes ah oh, how can i like his albums feel like a love letter to the past, a lot of them. Do you know what I mean? They feel like yeah. things that, you know, I, I remember disco. I remember kind of, you know, Motown and that sort of thing, you know, and, and it feels like that. Whereas Danger Mouse feels like he takes those things and goes, how can I update it in the same way as like Quincy Jones updated early Little Stevie records or whatever during the sort of early era of Motown. Um, so yeah, he's cool. Uh, and I, but I think, yeah, but basically we've kind of gone off on one regarding where this record sits. But I do think it sounds great and I think it sounds all the better for Danger Mouse being on it. And I don't think it would be as good with someone like, for example, Mark Ronson producing it. Because no. I think Mark Ronson would try and blend in with what Karen O's doing. Mm. Whereas I don't think Danger Mouse does that, especially when this album's really good. They sit on top of one another, yeah. don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, still yeah. complement each other really mm. well. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and there's no compromise from either of them. Agreed. I definitely. think it's a cool thing. Is yeah. that they're definitely gone. We can have. We're going to have to find a way to for this to hit right in the middle. Yeah. And that's cool. Um, but yeah, I just it took so long to get going. Mm. I, I, you know, I really admire this record. I really like it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it is good. It, I think it's good. I, I, um, and I think when it's really good, it is really, really, really good. good. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted it to be something slightly different, but then at the same time, I don't want to turn around and say an artist can't experiment. Do you know what I mean? No, no, like, no, that's no, the no. Last thing. I don't think anyone's saying that. It's no. an experiment which you've put at the start of the record, which hasn't really worked. I don't think it's really paid off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the result is that some people, you open an album with a nine-minute-long song with the sort of attention spans people have now, they might not get to the second track. Well, quite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I noticed that that was one of the singles as well, which yeah, is mad. really mad. Yeah. Um, fair enough, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, um, crazy. But I'd like to hear. I'd like you know. I don't want another one anytime soon. But in five years' time, if they were to collaborate again, though, I'd like to hear what happens as a result. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, it'd be cool. interesting. Um, but yeah, but it is a good record. I think overall, this is a solid like yeah. seven and a half to eight out of ten record. Yes, yes. I reckon. Uh, so there you go. That is Carano and Danger Mouse with Lux Prima. Now, the next album we're going to be talking about is called To Believe. It is by the Cinematic Orchestra. Again, this came out last week. Um, it's the fourth album from the UK's own new jazz protagonist. Is I've that called the right them way? Contemporary Electronic New Jazz Collective. Okay, right. Hello. Um now, I have to confess, straight out of the fucking gate here, I have never listened to the Cinematic Orchestra. Oh, you jinxed Never listened to them. Okay. I was aware of that they were a thing. Never listened to them before in my life. Um, I'm not sure there is a more aptly named band in music <laughs> than the Cinematic <laughs> yeah. Orchestra. Yeah. Uh, How would you describe their sound then, based on this record? A cinematic orchestra. I mean, I probably would. It, it is. It's uh, apt, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, really. Like as a name, it is. It is really, really apt. And uh, yeah, I was. I wasn't sure what I was expecting. I thought they were a kind of uh, almost like an sort of indie band. I kind of, I expect. I thought maybe they're going to sound like the National or Falls or something like that. But no, I was massively, hugely wrong. Renfrey, are you a fan? Yes, uh, okay. I've been a fan since the release of their last record, which was Mathlier. Mm. My flower. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Swedish. Um, uh, which was released 12 years ago. Yeah. So this has been um, seen as a comeback of sorts. Um, explaining what cinematic orchestra are is quite difficult. So I stole this from Wikipedia because it's really does sum it up um the cinematic orchestra sound in both live and studio contexts employs a live band which improvises along with the turntablists and electronic elements such as samples provided by uh jason swinsco he is the main person behind the band in their studio releases swinsco will often remix the live source material to produce a combination of live jab jazz improvisation with electronica such that it is difficult to tell where the improvisation improvisation ends and the production begins that's accurate, is it not? Yeah. Although, I didn't know that. That's a really, really cool way to make music. I mean, we talked about Talk Talk and we talked about Mars Volta recently mm-hmm. and when people can do that and they can make it work. Mm-hmm. So it is, impro- it is improvised, yeah, a lot great. of it, mm-hmm. and kind of cut together to make the tracks. Um, I've seen them live as well. And, um, you know, the, the, the tracks that are on their records are a starting point and then they just go off are into they? crazy things. Cool. Um, and like they played for like two and a half hours at Hammersmith Apollo. It was actually 
November 2016 that I saw them and it was meant to be the launch for this album. Yeah. So it's been delayed a couple of years as well on top of it taking ages to come out. Mm. So, um, yes, and the song that people might be familiar with, uh, it's called To Build a Home and it's just one of those songs, it was from Maffler, but it's one of those songs which even if you don't know you know it you probably do just because it's been on so many tv programs and stuff like Grey's anatomy orange is the new black ugly betty top gear and hollyoaks oh all my favorite (laughs) you you gone inside my head and picked my five (laughs) favorite television programs okay so the list is about 50 programs i just choose tried to choose five which were very distinct from one another yeah to show the how broad it's gone out to so um so Jason Swisco himself has described this album as a contemplation on belief in the age of Brexit. Mm. Second Brexit mentioned in this oh. podcast. Did you get that? No. No, neither did I, I have no. to admit. Uh, it's quite abstract as a concept. It's an abstract concept on a fairly abstract record. Yeah, yeah, it is relatively abstract, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, um, I think we recently did a writer's review on Massive Attack. We did. And um, there are... There are similar elements to Massive Attack, aren't there? Are there not? Yes, yeah, there's definitely a bit of Massive Attack in, in this, I think. I think that's a good shout. I think um, the first song is the title track. Uh, it t- is. And it has a beautiful vocal from Moses Sumney. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a really beautiful way to start the record, and his vocals are incredibly soulful. Yeah. And um, the performance is just amazing. Um, that song i mean i saw them play that at amazon apollo so it's been around for over two years but um i think it's a really brilliant way i think it's the best vocal performance on this album oh do you yeah wow okay i do there's a few there's four vocal performances i mean there's a few good vocal performances on this record yeah for sure um they always choose so we should say they they choose different vocalists for each song in a sort of massive attack kind of electronic kind of way um they always choose vocalists very well to fit the material roots maneuver is one of the vocalists on this i want to talk about roots maneuver in a bit we can talk about now if you'd like well it was i mean i so i knew nothing about this band really and then it came on and to believe i I came on and, and i was like it's a lot it's dark the word i think dark's words it's a lot more somber than i was expecting yeah, it's it to very be. somber it's quite somber it was very somber band. slow building very pretty sounding yep. yep very beautiful sounding and when i'd kind of um shifted my expectations as to what it was i thought i was going to get mm-hmm. that's on my this is on my first listen um i started to go oh yeah actually this is this is good mm-hmm. and then the very, very, very uh, recognisable voice of Roots Maneuver comes in on the mm-hmm. second track, which is called A Caged Bird Stroke Imitations of Life. Um, Roots Maneuver doing a bit of melodic singing as well, yeah. not just kind of full rap. Uh, he actually, oddly, when he sings, he sounds like Idris Elba. He sound, he His singing was really took me aback. It was yeah. very good. Yeah. It's very but good. he's got... He, <laughs> I was like, this is definitely... This is definitely Roots Maneuver, isn't it? And then I went, or is it Idris? It can't, it can't be Idris Elba. But anyway, um, but yeah, he he's, I mean, Roots Maneuver is a genius. Yeah. He's a fucking, he's a brilliant, brilliant genius. Um, he is amazing on this record, I think. Really, really amazing. And very different to 
like you say, you know, his 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 actual singing voice, his actual yep. kind of melodic parts he does in it is really uh is a really, really cool. And I'm gonna that, use it again, it's very soulful. Really soulful. Yeah. And and at that point <clears> as <throat> When I heard Re- Roots Maneuver, I was like, I really want to like this record now. Oh, okay. I really, really want to like this record. Oh. And I do. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I do. I really do. And the fact that I'm only talking about Roots Maneuver being kind of an important part of the record, even though I'm a really big fan of Roots Maneuver, um, I'm talking about being a sort of an important part of the record just because it was the, the first time where I went, ah, oh, actually, this is great. Um, but not... Like, if not the best song on the record. No. Like, definitely not the best What's song on the record. What's your favourite song on the record? Um, Wait For Now, Leave The World, I think is is fucking brilliant. Which track's that? Track four. Ah, okay. With somebody called Tawia. Yes, I, yes, yes, I know the one. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, which is kind of heart, it makes your heart ache. Mm. It's so lovely. This her, is a, her performance is brilliant. And again, again her performance on it is is brilliant yeah again it's really soulful mm. this record is just i think it sounds phenomenal i think mm-hmm. it sound like again the production on it is out of this world i mean if you listen if you've got good headphones this yeah. is a proper good yeah. headphone good speaker record to listen all to. their albums are lush brilliant. rich yep. dense the depth the the, or- the the orchestral swell um yeah i, I I love this record. Mm, brilliant. Okay. Um, my favourite song, I think, is the next track, uh, The Workers of Art. Yeah. Um, it's an instrumental. Um, for the most part, as brilliant as the vocal performances are on this record, and they are brilliant, yeah. I do prefer the instrumentals. I don't know if that's the post-rock guy in, in me or what. I, I don't know, be. but <laughs> probably. Um, but the way that The Workers of Art builds, and the, you were talking about the flour, um, sort of the, orchestra and the flourishes of strings and stuff and the mournful piano um it is very post-rocky to be honest yeah but but, but the way that it builds is so masterful and so beautiful Mm. um it sounds like a score um the whole i i feel like the the whole whole album this could be a score stroke soundtrack to an epic film it will not surprise you to learn that they have done scores and so on i'm sure they have yeah it Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all i mean you know and it it it's again you know like i think we we spoke about it before when i spoke about the tosca album actually and having an emotional center particularly i mean this is not a post-rock post-metal album this is not like you know definitely not post-metal no 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 no, not at all and i wouldn't even say it's a post-rock album i i wouldn't call it a post-rock album but it undoubtedly shares many genre twa- traits yeah of post-rock it does i wouldn't call it, but you're right i but, would not call but it i don't think album. any th- this is not a rock record no exactly any stretch but you know there's 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 not a guitar you know uh, sort of a prominent guitar to be found no there's definitely it. guitars on it but there's guitars not, on it no, but they're, no. they're never you know obviously post-rock at some point the guitar will be the the, the kind of headline yeah, instrument yeah, yeah. and it never is that this feels like well, what it is, a jazz album, a yeah. soul album, and an orchestral um, collective. Post-jazz? Post-jazz. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I thought that with their last record, actually. Mm. I was like, am I listening to post-jazz here? Mm. Um, 
the record before that every day has more hip hop elements as well. This is actually yeah. released on Ninja Tune, who are oh, prim- predominantly a um, hip hop yeah. record yeah, yeah, label. Yeah. Ninja Tune also did uh, Think, who you loved on yeah, the trail. Yeah, So yeah. yeah, okay, cool. Um, but um, yes, they but the they they're very 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 slow burn songs. They do mm. take a long time to unfurl. I was really curious about your. I I had no idea what way you were going to go with this. Mm. Um, my fear was it wouldn't be uh, quick enough. It would you wouldn't have the patience for it if you'll forgive me. Mm. Um, because it's seven tracks over fifty one minutes. Thought fifty three minutes. Four, yeah, fifty three, fifty four minutes. Yeah. Um, none of them are under five minutes long. Um, and it suits my taste well, but I wasn't sure if it would suit yours well. Well, it, if it's good, and I mean, it, it feels like so much goes on mm. in like, for example, like you say, To Believe, the first song, mm. it it doesn't start very quickly, but because so much happens within that five minutes and 27 seconds that that song is yeah. on, yeah. and because it has got, again, like I say, a very strong emotional core to it mm-hmm. that I think a lot of post-rock i think if you don't get that in post-rock or in post this music whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it Mm -hmm. that's when i struggle Mm -hmm. unless the music is really kind of you know what was it we did mono like when we did the mono album i struggled with that because i was like i'm not emotionally connecting with this Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. if i'm not emotionally connecting with it that's when time drags that's when you're bored yeah Yeah. yeah, yeah. and you're not gonna i don't think time drags on this i mean a I just say that one does start quite slowly, but for most of it, it's constantly changing. It changes a lot. Yeah, I, I, know, I even I, though it builds to, to to something, there is that you know this isn't guitar, bass, drums, and no, a vocalist. No, there no. are. I mean, Lord only knows how many instruments there. I mean, I've oh, I have no idea. Loads. Yeah, and if as I say, if you put it on a good pair of speakers, a good pair of headphones, you can hear every single instrument. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and you know with the perform with the vocal performances that are on it uh it's yeah it's just really really um those performances are fucking awesome mm. cool you know, amazing really really um seductive and really will bring you in that i i think this is fucking excellent this that's record. awesome um i like it a lot uh, the main thing which is stopping me from going it's fucking awesome it's amazing i think it's incredibly accomplished I think it, when I say it loses me, I don't mean I get bored. I do agree that it doesn't get boring, but I zone in and out of it, if that Mm. makes sense. Sometimes it becomes a very pleasant background listening experience. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. And then sometimes I'm just brought in by something amazing that happens and then it goes back into. But the reason why I say that is because their last record didn't do that for me. So I suppose I'm comparing it to their previous work and I'm able to do that. And Mm -hmm. Maffleur is, is, for me, still the best thing they've done. Okay, cool. Um, I'm so. Definitely, definitely, definitely going to listen to that. More piano led um, and even more even prettier than this album i would say oh wow um but um yes but i but i think this is a great record and i re- i like it very 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 much it's very, it's very very good, good. yes yeah. it's called to believe it's by the cinematic orchestra it's been out for a week much like the karen o and danger mouse album so you should go and listen to it yourself your thing um our next <laughs> album 
Uh, it's the self-titled album from American Football. This is the third album from the Illinois Quartet. It's also the third self-titled album. They're all it's called a... American Football. Didn't know that. Cheeky fuckers. So uh, there you go. Um, so again, I have to be completely honest with you, Renfrey. Um I I knew the name of this band. Again, I knew the name of this band and I was expecting a post-hardcore band. Really. Oh, right. Uh, that's not that's not or what an they emo are. band huh? um you know uh but i didn't really know i i've not i've never listened to american football so i give you a truncated history so you have presumably go, yes go yes. for it so um they formed in 1997 i believe um released one album the self-titled debut album um split up the next year uh, self-titled was released in 99 split up in 2000 didn't do anything for 15 16 years quite yeah. a long time but in that time uh, that first album went on to become an absolute cornerstone in what I would have called that la- latter day 90s emo movement yeah. I would have called it emo um, it's kind of a mix of indie math and emo yeah rock basically yeah. rock when I say rock um, very um, like they very, in fact, on this record, I don't think they ever use distortion, but they hardly ever use distortion. It's mm. all very clean lead lines mm. and stuff like that, but quite mathy and um, very, pr- again, very pretty, very beautiful, very emotionally led. I would still call this quite an emo y record. It's pretty emo y, yeah. Yeah, um, definitely. It's pretty emo y in. Um, in the sense of how we mean emo, for sure. Yeah. But we but we are talking more in the sense of, and this these would have been their contemporaries at the time, but people like Texas for, Texas is the Reason, The Promise Ring, Sunny Day Real Estate, yeah. Mineral, um, and early Jimmy Eat World for people who need a slightly more contemporary mm. reference. Um, so I have to say, um, I never really got American football. Mm. Um, I listened to the first album... I don't know, probably probably around the time I was getting into Sunny Day Real Estate and just getting into that whole emo thing probably around yeah. mid-2000s, maybe a bit earlier. And was just kind of like, ah, oh, it's cool, but I don't really get it. The The thing that stood out for it with me was that it had like horns on it. And when the horns came in, I was like, that's really cool. But there was mm. nothing about it which I could really hold on to. Um, and then the headline dark tangent on like the third year. And I was like, oh, I better give that that album ago again i was like still don't really watch them a bit and didn't do anything for me at the show then their second lp came out and listened to that and i thought that was even worse than the first yeah so um i my expectations i I thought it was important that we do it because this band are very important to a small selection of people yeah but my expectations were very very low Mm. so i was quite surprised when I actually really, really loved this oh, record. Dear. I really, really like it. Yeah. Okay. When Silhouettes came in, Silhouettes is the first song. It's seven and a half minutes long. Um, and it just, I mean, I think it's the best song they've written ever. And it's mm-hmm. just really, really, um, it just transported me. It never feels like it's seven and a half minutes long. It always feels like it's over too quickly. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of guest vocals from, all from either, um, uh, female vocalists, or um, there's actually a children's choir at the end. Of there the is a songs, children's choir, which, sound, which sounds 
good. I mean, you know, something stupid is quiet. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's not I, the I think, work. It's not, you know, it's not under the locust. In There's... this context, I think it sounds, I think it works really well. Yeah, it works all know. right. Yeah. It's not children's choir with a metal band, you know. No, it no, works no, no. very, very well. Uh, Hayley Williams is on the Hayley album. Hayley Williams from Paramore is on there. Hayley Williams once said, I believe that American Football are favourite ever band. I thought she formed the band because of failure. Either way, she's ignoring what they both of them sound like. <laughs> um, <laughs> and has decided to make some money instead, which, you know, fine. You do that, love. Neither of us... <laughs> don't call her love. We, just, we did so much good work last week and you've just undone it all. Um, I, only because I think it would probably annoy Hayley Williams and that's all right. <laughs> um, neither of us are particular Paramore fans, I don't think, but no. I, I think Hayley Williams sounds lovely on this record. Yeah, she's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you do not share my love for it. I can tell from the way. No, that I you... don't, mate. I've got to be honest. I don't. Um, I found this intensely dull. This oh, wow, really? Yeah, I did. Um, I, funnily enough, I I agree. I agree with you that Silhouettes is the best song on the album. Okay, but that's when my um my alarm bell started ringing when I I the first song on was seven and a half minutes and it felt like kind of. 20 oh wow uh, i didn't uh, and and when you talk about those other bands i am like yeah you know it's got all the stuff that make them feel and sound and look and behave and uh, and seem like one of those kind of early emo bands yet there's just something about i don't know maybe the production which isn't sitting right with me i don't know if it's the production i don't know if it's the fact that i'm um, it seems to sort of drop between the cracks a little bit between uh, what I like about that type of music and um, what I would like from the other sort of end of it, which, as you said, is the more mathy stuff. Um, it feels like a halfway house between those two things. And there are certain songs on it, which I mean, I think the one with Hayley Williams in the Uncomfortably Numb, mm. where they kind of do a bit of Pink Floyd uh, made me go a bit, you know. I never like bands referencing Comfortably Numb. I don't know why. No. Like Even when Baroness do it. I, it, it annoys me and Baroness are the best band ever but uh, pretty much <laughs> yeah, one of them, but, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah so that made me go Lah. I still um, like that song but I know what you mean yeah and I don't know there's not really none of it really stuck at all I mean the problem is I didn't really feel like any of it stuck I've listened to this album three four maybe three and a half four times now so maybe it needs to be given more than that. But I've really sat down and properly... Because the first time I listened to it and I put it on and it was one of those ones where you put it on and you sort of have it on in the background and you go, oh yeah, okay. And I was like, oh, all right, fine. And it ended and I went, Oof. I kind of felt like a non-event. I need to sit down and listen to this again, but actually concentrate. And sitting down and listening to it with full concentration, my, my mind just wandered. I just found it quite dull. Mm. Funnily enough, your description of this album is how I would describe their first two albums. Oh, really? Is it? <laughs> so I don't know what it is about this one that's captured me. Um, maybe to go back to the cinematic orchestra briefly, it is about emotional connection. Yeah. And maybe there are just um, songs on here that for maybe it's just one of those cases of sometimes an album just resonates with you. Yeah um i have no idea i don't know uh i've listened to this record like 15 times um oh, yeah. I, I but not because i feel like i've had to because i you fucking love it yeah. i just i just really like it um and i am more surprised than anyone believe me because 
I've tried with them for several years and just mm. haven't got it. Um, and I mean, I like seeing them at Arc Tangent. I thought they were fucking boring. Really? Like live, if I'm honest. Yeah. And now I want to see them again and reappraise them. But like, I thought they were really boring when I saw them live. Yeah. Um, but there's just something about this record, which is just, I just like it. I like the, I like the production. Uh, it's not, uh, it's not a amazingly produced record in the way that the two records we've just been talk, talking about are amazingly produced, but it has a very clean tone um, with a beautiful kind of reverb on it. Frankly, all their records do. They all sound very similar. Yeah. They all stay within a relatively similar sonic uh, spectrum, sort of like clean guitars, like, as I say, like never really going into distortion. But I just think the songs are very eloquently and well put together. I think the lyrics are like incredible in places, like really, really beautiful. Um, yeah, I just, I just, I just really like it. And and right. I and I, I am not coming to this as a fan at all. Like right. I've came to it as a. Well, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's I, good. That's good. I'm glad. I mean, you know, I. I'll be honest with you, I've got nothing else to say about yeah, it. Yeah, okay, okay. I've got, literally got nothing else to say about it. It completely washed over me. It just completely and utterly washed over me. Um, I, As I sit here now looking at the track listing, I can barely remember most of it, to be honest. Do you think um, it would... Uh, you have two strands of emo, two different ways of the, you know, the My Chemical Romance stuff, the Jimmy World stuff... You think it fits in more with the... Do you think this is an emo record? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> he's so bored, he's yawning talking about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I definitely think it's an emo... Yeah, yeah, you could describe this as emo and you could certainly describe this as, you know, Texas the Reason era emo. There's, there's, but it's really, really, like, it's very, very sombre. And Well, there's a song on... The, I think the fourth song, Ear Apparent, I think it's called. Um, the chorus is basically, um, sorry for loving me. I mean, that is emo as fuck. Yeah, it? it's fucking proper emo. But the thing is, like, you know, I've got, you go in my, over there, I've got the, I've got, like, Texas a Reason as an example. There's a, the production's a bit, there's, there, it was, it had gritty production. This has got, like, a kind of a tech metal production almost. It's got such a clean, sort of chrome, metallic production, like a shiny production hmm. that I just don't really get. Do you know what I mean? It feels really crystal clear. I think the thing... I, I half agree with that. I certainly agree that there's no grit in it. Mm. Uh, I think the reason for that is because really there's no grit in American no, football songs. there's not, is there? Whereas there is grit. In, I, I think that th- what I didn't get with American football for ages was just like, why don't they just stomp on the distortion pedal at some point just to, to change it up a bit? Like, why yeah. is it all clean? Why is it all in the same sonic stratosphere? Um, and I just didn't really get that. Um, this album isn't an except. There isn't an exception to that, but for some reason it's just, I've just responded to it. I'm not, I'm not really sure why. And I did go back to LP one and two to see if I've changed my mind on those. And I haven't particularly. Right. So, so I don't know what it is about this album um but um that that was something that yeah because all, all those bands you know mineral sony do real estate blah, blah blah they they all stomp stomp on the distortion occasionally mm. uh quite often in some cases i just i i, I don't know i just i just really really enjoyed this record and i think it might surprise some other people who haven't been able to 
haven't been bothered with them in the past. It might not. I don't know. Fair enough. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it's out now. Um, American football, American football, 2019. That is out right now. Uh, last album we're going to review this week comes from La Dispute. Uh, it is called Panorama, and it is the fourth album from the Michigan-based hardcore emo kids. Not kids uh, anymore. Post-hardcore bands. Post-hardcore, I guess, is the thing to talk... Again, now, La Dispute. I saw a bit of La Dispute at Art Tangent last year. Oh, right. Uh, and I thought they were all right. But again, they're one of those bands... I think that whole movement of, you know, them and Touche and More... Like, obviously, I've spoken about Touche and More, particularly Stage 4 recently, and I've got, got into Touche and More. But a lot of that stuff never really grabbed me. I didn't feel grasped by it, but... Um, but then Touche More came along and they made this album and it was fucking brilliant and I was like, oh, this is really, really great. But I Surely haven't... Thursday are an exception as well? Well, Thursday were out a long time ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, bad. different different era, but, yeah. but same sort of same sort emotional of post Yeah, but I did I feel say. like, you know, the, the, the Thursday don't really clatter like, um, like those bands. I don't know, it, it felt different to me. Okay. It always felt a bit different. Um, but yeah, so La, I came to La Dispute... I, again, I know what they sound like, but I don't have a La Dispute album that I could talk to you about with any great degree of uh, sort of, um, uh, not passion, but with, yeah, well, yeah, with pa- I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if I've ever properly listened to them, is what I'm saying. I know what they sound like. I don't really think I've ever properly listened to them because everything I heard, I was like, yeah. What about um, you, Renfrey? It's going to be an incredibly similar story to American football in that um, I had Rooms oh, rooms of Your House, Rooms from Your House, which was their last album. actually came out five years ago, so there's been a five-year gap between mm-hmm. records. Uh, I also had a, I think it was a film sound, sorry, they did Tiny Dots. Yeah, Listen, a couple of years ago. Yeah, listened to them both and was just kind of like, yeah, it's okay. I think... Um, I don't know what put me off. I, th- I think it was something in the vocal delivery. I have no idea, but I just never, I was kind of like, I can see why people love them and admire them. And I think they're far smarter than a lot of those kind of bands. And I like that there's usually some sort of theme going through their records, but they never really did it for me. Mm. Okay. So similar to American football, mm. are you about to tell me that this album's great? Yes, it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> I am going to say the same thing. Right. Not as I said at American football, right. but the same thing as you're saying right, right now. Yeah. Yes. This album is, I can confirm, fucking great. Yeah, it's so good, isn't it's it? It's brilliant. I w- again, it's been so nice. This has been a really nice week to get two records by bands where, for me, where I've just been like, Oh, I've got to listen to that band now and then be as surprised as I have been. Uh, mm. Obviously, you've only had that once, but but just to have that twice has just been like, oh, it's been a really good week for music. Yeah. Um, but uh, this album is... Uh, I'm... Oh, it is... Uh, I'm trying to avoid the... Uh, I'm trying to avoid the M word. Mature. Mature! <laughs> no, um, well, you can't. It's difficult though, isn't it? Because it is... A little bit more mature than what they did before, and all the better for it, I think. Yeah, wow, yeah. What I mean by that is um, there's more restraint. I think it's more sonically interesting. They go to further, Mm -hmm. sort of, uh, they expand out further than they used to. 
they do use distortion and stuff like that st- um, uh, still, uh, unlike American football, but it feels like it is reserved for very important moments. Um, yeah. uh, and whilst we're calling them a post-hardcore band, um, calling this a post-hardcore record would be stretching it to the very limits of uh, the 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 less sonically abrasive elements of, of that genre. I think it's still accurate though. I think yes. I mean I would I'd still call describe this a post hardcore yeah. record for sure. For the vocals alone, I would say probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. It, I think it would um I would I think it would be too much for people who don't like that sort of thing. But everything about this record it's such an oxymoron because it feels so considered and so precise. Hmm. And yet it reminded me, and I don't know if it's because I've been obsessed with this record, but it reminded me a little bit of Spirit of Eden. In that, it also sounds like they've just got in a room, haven't decided what to play, and are just all playing together and just listening to one another. Well, almost. It reminded me. I I didn't get that. I've got. To be I meant okay. I meant that in a good way. Yeah, I, yeah. I can see why that would have sounded like a bad thing. No, 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 no. I meant I didn't get it. Is in I I don't hear a kind of spirit of Eden. No, fair enough. Thing to it. Um. Uh. But what I like about it is. I think once I said before regarding Touche more is that they get as much stuff into a two minute long song as some post rock bands take eight, nine minutes to do. And that's really, really fucking cool. It's good to hear a band in that world actually stretching it out and, and managing to keep your attention at the same time, uh, which I think they do. I mean, the first Fulton Street one and two, which are basically like essentially one song i think really yeah um so that makes up nearly nine minutes Mm. um and it does have all of those elements of post-hardcore that you would uh you know that you would i guess that you would associate with post-hardcore they're just done like you say in a much more considered a much more restrained way there it's not the kind of boom and burst that a lot of those bands do so it's interesting in that point uh, it's interesting in that that the kind of push you know not pushing music forward that way but but certainly approaching the genre tropes of the scene that they found themselves in and trying to do something not new with it but more interesting well i i think they've pushed it uh i am going to go back to spirit of eden just briefly okay. just just to say i think partly what reminded me of it was dynamically now it's not as dynamic a record as spirit of eden but it definitely feels the very very first track is a very warm electronic murmur for about a minute basically which sort of gradually gets louder but the difference in dynamics like this this album has not been mixed for radio. No, <laughs> like, no, like no, with, no, with no. radio, you want everything to be on a similar kind of sonic spectrum. Mm-hmm. And when they burst on this record, it really does sound like very different to how they are clean. And it sounds like that they're really using dynamics in a really very sophisticated and interesting way, which reminds me of post rock, which I like. Um, but you know, I think that is a large part of what is so great about this record. Yeah. Um, the, the, masterful way in which they do that and as i said everything had been considered so much you know the um the lyrics on this record were actually uh written like the 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 recording the music was finished in april 2018 and then um the lyricist was continuing to write 
lyrics until August, I think, because he was just determined to get them right. Right. And I think you can feel that blood, sweat and tears that have gone into it. Mm. And every line, you could pick out most of the lines in this record and, you know, like stitch them on your wall. I mean, they they are really beautiful couplets and really, really well considered and put together. There's the song um, Rodonite in Grief great song first single. which is yeah such a good song which is a fucking great song and really dark i mean yeah. is that about a missing child i mean i'm assuming it is do you know what the, the there's a sort of a theme right with the okay. record do you do you know this no i've not looked at anything pressy um <laughs> so um Panorama zeroes in on events that have taken place in a particular neighbourhood. It traces the emotional atmosphere of a place through its own history. Most of what happens on Panorama takes place on the route Jordan, that's the vocalist, and his partner would drive from their home in the East Hills. Um, uh, East Hill, sorry, East Hills neighbourhood of Grand Rapids to the city of Lowell, where she grew up. Everywhere along the drive are places where people have died. A pond where a man drowned walking home in the winter. Yeah, I got that. Yeah. Multiple places where people crashed uh, driving drunk or were killed in car accidents. And one place where years prior, a city worker found a Jane Doe decomposed. Panorama is intended to be a wide-angled shot of that drive, with the stories of these tragedies becoming focal points that create a larger narrative. Ah. Makes more sense now, doesn't it? Yeah, but I mean, that I was like, man, this is some fucking seriously dark bleak affecting things to write yeah you know i mean i i now you said that i I am going i'm sort of piecing it together going ah yeah i think that says it all though because sometimes you hear an out so with cinematic orchestra not to diss that record because we do both really like it but Mm. i was like oh apparently this record's about believing in stuff because of brexit did you get that and you're like no When I read that description to you, it's a journey and it's about all these horrible things that happen on the way. You're like, oh, yeah. And Mm. I wager, I imagine when you go back to it next, which inevitably you will because it's fucking great. You will listen to it with that subconscious thought in your head or maybe it'll be a conscious one and be able to piece that together more. Mm. And I can't help but see this album as a journey now. Um, the songs do find a way of sort of running into one another and stuff like that. And it does, you know, there's a reason why it's Fulton Street 1 and Fulton Street 2 and stuff like this. And one of the songs is about a man drowning man drowning in a pond or something. Yeah, Footsteps at the Pond. There we go, you know. And like, it all just, it's like pieces of a puzzle which just suddenly connect together. And those are albums, I find those are albums which last because oh. you find new things in them. But like I say, just the way that it's composed and put together and it just feels like they have... I mean, there's five years between this album and their last mm. proper full-length album. Yeah, They've obviously really considered it. As, as a matter of fact, they even um, they got together and wrote a bunch of songs. They had seven songs ready and threw them away. And they only had three weeks of studio time left to write this this album that they came up with so it was all done in quite a rush mm. you know but it's worked in this yeah case. it really has i mean i it's a good shout for top 20 of the year this yeah yep it's not it's been as we said last week it's been a fairly slow year it has i, I have to say i feel like well i feel like we're on the cusp of the good stuff coming out um, but it has to start with been 
a pretty slow year. Yeah. yeah. There's not been much that's made me go, wow, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if anything, really. But this is one of probably about three or four albums where I'm like, yeah, this is really fucking mm. good. Mm. Really, mm. really good. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a really, really beautiful record. And again, I was completely sideswiped by it i mean the me yeah, previous yeah. stuff didn't do anything for me i did go back to the previous stuff um earlier today and i'm pleased to report that i do kind of get it more now yeah. unlike the american football stuff so maybe there is something in that but um i think this is a really really beautiful and very well composed put together record i think it deserves a lot of plaudits i think the thing that concerns me is records like this often don't get no they won't no of course it won't it's... no not a chance no one's gonna fucking pay any attention to this not a chance it's a shame <laughs> it's a shame well it's, you know like they just won't because it's good but fucking it's but morons, it's you? You bloody listen to <laughs> oh you were in a good mood earlier i'm in a good mood i'm annoyed that this is gonna be shuffled to one side but it reminds me of i mentioned touche you mentioned touche amore actually and and i mentioned thursday earlier it reminds me of both of their most experimental mm. records yeah that's true. uh touche more stage four yeah and thursday no devolution for me which which uh, is a controversial pick but is probably my favorite favorite thursday record wow, okay. um but and i think it's a band kind of taking what they do and pushing it into other areas and succeeding yeah good for them um and so i think there you it's go. great yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it is. it's really great it's called panorama it is by lad dispute it's out right the fuck right now right let's end the show with a trade-off can we just quickly quickly no. before we do that i just remembered that um uh holy fawn the record that we went on about oh, yeah. earlier this year that, is that out is it uh it is out now today um okay. it's the re-release is out on holy raw so if you want that record on vinyl or cd or whatever then you can get that now but we need to because that would be one of those records that has yeah, gone 100%. oh my god yeah yeah hundy yeah. peas yeah that uh, yeah great records. record that. i still listen to that every other day at least so um you gave me last week or two weeks ago really it wasn't it uh the um the eponymous second studio album by american avant-garde rock band and this this will destroy you this will destroy you. this will destroy you not and this will destroy you this will destroy you that's what you gave me Renfrey. um and you gave it to me with the caveat uh that it was something to do with the fact that it was relatable to talk talk am i right i thought that um you just want to give me a post rock album no i thought (laughs) i thought that it was a record that was very, very, very likely inspired quite directly by Spirit of Eden. Yeah, no doubt. I would say that's... Uh... So I thought it'd be a nice through line for that. Yeah. I, I'm not expecting you like it as much as Spirit of Eden, just from your face. No, no, I mean, I don't. But then I don't, you know, you, you can't really expect no, 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 anyone no, 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 no. to. Um, but, it, it, but this is good. Okay, cool. You know, this is good. This is... Uh, this is a good record. I I know the name of this band, and I feel like I know the name of this band um, from. They're one of the, like so a lot of post rock bands get kind of creep into, you know, either the art tangenti sort of scene, or occasionally you get them in the Kerrang and Metal Hammer, and they become darlings or early rock sound. Uh, yeah. I feel like this would destroy you. Were never really embraced by anyone around that sort of area. Uh, I'm, sure they they been, I'm sure they would have been an early rock sound. I would really? have thought. Yeah. yeah and they played Arctangent. 
and then I played. Yeah, I mean, I can sort of see that a little bit. But I thought maybe they were more of a, a an NME band. No, but it appears not. No, no. All right, well, good. Um, <laughs> that, <laughs> yes. That's good. That's good. Well, I wouldn't say so. I mean, I don't regularly pick up the enemy, but I, I wouldn't have thought so. No, I don't. I know. don't know why I thought that. Okay. Um, you, uh, it's, it is likely that again, there are one of those bands that kind of permeate your subconscious because they are used, used on, on soundtracks and used mm. on telly and so on and so mm. forth. Um, the most famous recent example that I can think of, um, one of the songs on this album, uh, the mighty Rio Grande. Yeah. Is the long ass one, the long, ah, oh, the beautiful long ass one, right? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> is used in an amazing part of that film room i don't know if you saw that about a child who is brought up in yeah i've uh, never seen that film it's very good Um, i've heard it's very good it's very very good you know it's one of those films which sounds more miserable than it actually is right okay um so it's basically a, a, a child is born into um, captivity, captivity a, yeah. from a by a rapist i've it's been watching the just to sort of go off on one slightly i've recently been watching the madeline mccann the disappearing of madeline ah. mccann documentary on netflix have you found that i give oh, that's, that's pretty heavy going is that intense that. yeah i don't remember i don't care if people think that it's you know that i'm not pc or whatever but i think kidnapping children is wrong <laughs> Well, I'm, gla- I'm glad you said it because everyone else is too scared to say I it. I know. I don't care yeah. if you are going to turn out now and call me some sort of a scumbag yeah. and just like, you know, PC gone mad or whatever. Yeah. I think if you kidnap a child, you sh- you're you're, a, you're, rot- you're not on. I think you're a fucking snowflake, mate. <laughs> I, uh, I've just finished watching Surviving R. Kelly. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to say it. I think he He's did. He's a good it. guy. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no. Yeah, he did do what it. A, what He's an a, odd man. Anyway, man. Anyway, this will destroy you. That's what we should really. I wonder if R. Kelly would be a this will destroy you fan. Probably not. Probably not. I don't think he'd be a fan of uh, two main things that he's a fan of himself. <laughs> And something that I'm not going to say because we'll just cut it out. So anyway, this will destroy you. Um, yeah, do you know what? I like this. Okay, cool. I like this. Um, and I can see why you would compare it to Talk Talk. Yeah. I can. Yeah. Um, it's noisier than Talk Talk. Yeah. Certainly. But that's all right. But only at points. It, only it at points. It's a long time. But it is noisier. Like the, the noisiness that they hit is far noisier than anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on say spirit of eden mm-hmm. uh which is fine you mm-hmm. know like everyone likes noise don't they uh apart from my neighbors they're not that happy <laughs> um but uh so like, when we were recording with serena and, uh and Jemina last Jim, last week we um had uh, at the end i had a, a note sellotape to mm. my door didn't i mm. about the bins about What's take the bins that? out well i take the bins out now but now i just i put music on i don't give a fuck if it's too loud because <laughs> don't write fucking notes and sellotape them to my door you cunts unbelievable yeah. anyway yeah don't I, they know that they live next to the most aggressive man in south london they live below the most aggressive below, man yeah, in south london yeah, yeah in every they're below me in every respect <laughs> um, and uh yeah mate i think this is this album is good i mean at 51 minutes and 30 seconds uh it is too long for me okay it's too long and it's a thing you know like when we were talking about spirit of eden one of the things i was like it's not actually that long, this record. That's mm, 42 minutes. 42 minutes. It's a whole extra 15 minutes. And I think that's the it's thing. an extra nine minutes. 
Isn't oh, it? Is it 58 minutes? I thought it was 51 minutes, isn't it? 51 minutes. Sorry, how... how so 42. 42. Bit of yeah, okay, so nine minutes. But you've got 42 minutes of, of basically kind of perfection of of this genre. And then you've got something which is adding nine minutes on. And I think, although it's noisier and it is good, and I love it, like when it's really quiet, I think it's brilliant. The bits that's quiet, and, it, and what it does do that's similar to Talk Talk is it really utilises silence very, very yes. well. It utilises silence. That's a big thing. Yeah, I think it is. It utilises silence really, really well. Um, and I think it's a good record. I probably wouldn't go much further than that than to say that this is a, a good post-rock record. Mm. I don't think it's one that I will come running back to that many more times in my life. But I might do. Mm. There have been ones that you've given me that I was like, never nope. getting that, mm-hmm. listening to that again. Mm. Um, whereas this, I think I might do. Not to the point, like like Caspian, for example, I have listened to since mm. you've given it to me, and that is fucking great. Brilliant. It's a great yeah. record. The Caspian's far higher quality than this, I think. Yeah. Um, but I do like, you know, I, I enjoyed listening to it. I just was like, to me, it's a great indicator of classic album and quite good album. Um, I, the I, difference I, between, like, what exactly makes the difference between those two things? I don't entirely disagree with you. Um, mm. It really was just, and and I wasn't giving this album to you in a I think this is as good as Spirit of Eden no, no, way I either. Um, I uh, probably don't. I probably do prefer Spirit of Eden. One thing I do disagree with you is you said there that Spirit of Eden is like the 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 best example of Mm. that thing uh i think it's the beginning of that thing and an incredible example i do think that it has been bettered at points by other people but would young team be one of those times for example i mean what would be the potentially um If you would put Caspian in the same field, I'd say Dustin Disquiet is, but it is relatively different, admittedly. Um, It's a true. Ah, you put me on the spot. Um, Actually, a better a better example for Mogwai that did what the talk talk thing does would probably be Come On Die Young. Yeah, I nearly said Come On Die Young. Yeah, for some reason I thought Young Team is your favourite, but no, it's not, is it? Uh, Happy Songs for Happy People was my favorite oh, okay. record, right, right, but Come On Die Young is far more in a in a Spirit of Eden kind of mould. Yeah, yeah. um, um, and I probably, I mean, Come On Die Young is like seventy minutes long. I still don't think it's too long. Um, yeah, Come On Die Young is fucking brilliant. Yeah, it's yeah. fucking amazing. But no, I just, I really, I was just trying to, I was trying to think what is the record off the top of my head which is far enough along. Yeah. Um, to be, you know, further away. Like t- this record came out twenty odd years after Spirit of Eden, yeah. but you can see where the influence has gone, and I think you, I think you can under- you can yeah, see definitely. that I his influence by Spirit of Eden. Definitely see um, a correlation between those two eyes, and yeah, I think a, a key thing is yeah. what you mentioned and yeah. the way they use silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think also the manner in which they built i mean i do not think they are identical records at all i just think you can see the through line and i thought it'd be an interesting yeah thing definitely mm. um it's good it's yeah it's probably, decent. It's, decent probably record. it's it is probably my favorite this will destroy record i have to admit so if if you're kind of like ho-hum about this one there's probably no need to go anywhere i wouldn't say i'm ho-hum about it yeah. i just don't think it's amazing i think okay. it's a good record i will in that case i will say um 
Young Mountain uh, is the EP that they did before this. And it's six songs and it's 30 minutes, 35 minutes, something like that. Yeah. Which is probably um, not a bad one to check out as well. Because it's a bit more... I was thinking of giving you that, um, but decided not to because I think this is more talk-talky. Yeah. Um, but Young Mountain is as good, I reckon. Okay, good. Well, there you go. Um, that was, This will destroy you. I gave you, Renfrey, something fairly different. The original soundtrack to the movie Lost Boys, released mm. in 1987, featured by various artists. Yeah. Now, uh, the film Lost Boys, mm. Renfrey, are you a fan of um, Joel Schumacher's excellent 1980s uh, <coughs> vampire comedy? I've not seen it. Have you still not seen it? No. I, I said I'd try, but I didn't get an yeah, opportunity. Yeah, it's not on anything, um, which is mental. Oh, you've got you, literally you can, got you no can... context for this whatsoever. Well, Hilarious. Well, I know Lost Boys is so entrenched in our culture, it especially is. in, I think, um, I think in, I think it's become very entrenched in metal culture in a way, mm-hmm. but... Uh, that was very misleading for me because um, I wasn't expecting the Crow soundtrack. Good. <laughs> you haven't got it. That's not what it is. Well, but I was expecting a little bit more gothic because uh-huh. it is about vampires. Let's it's face about it. About vampires. It's gothic as fuck, right? Well, this is the this is the the legacy of Lost Boys, the movie, mm. right? Essentially, is changing the kind of identity of vampires, basically. That's what I think that's what Lost Boys did because that happened, and then you get Queen of the Damned, you got Twilight, you got um, so it made them what cool. we do in the shadows, I suppose, is kind of different. But, um, but when you think of Blade, Blade, yeah, when you think of like vampires from like when I was first growing up, it was Dracula and it was a castle in Transylvania, and it was like this guy in a sort of stuffy suit going, I'm going to suck your blood, like all that stuff. I suppose um, Lost vampires Boys, hadn't been done for a while not before really, Lost Boys. No, no, I mean... That I can think of. This was... You know, the, the movies of the 1980s are still hold up so brilliantly, brilliantly. Um, and when you look at American Werewolf in London or The Howling... Mm. You know, they've sort of done something cool with werewolves. Uh, there's obviously all the, the George Romero zombie movies, mm-hmm. which yep. are brilliant as well. Um, and like the Evil Dead for the kind of undead uh, stuff. Evil Dead 2. Yes, please. Oh, mate. Evil Dead 2. Fantastic. Is just amazing. So the Lost Boys, I think, like you said, I, I'm trying to think of another vampire film that came out from around that era. That, But no, I do think it made, it, it took kind of the two cool things of the time which is teen movies and horror movies and melded them together. So the idea of it being the crow, no, the crow's a little bit too dark. And the idea of it being gothic, like, yes, to a point there's, you know, a goth um, element to Mm. the way that everything in Mm. Lost Boys, especially the kind of the vampire, the way the vampire's dressed and stuff like it is... It's, 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 it's aesthetic. It's aesthetically than, a bit gothy. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, this is this it's is daytime. the karate kid. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it's not it's not really a, it's much more nineteen eighties Twilight than, yeah. you know, than well, being like I, I think because of it being so entrenched in metal culture now, mm. uh, I don't think it was at the time. 
I that's probably why I made I didn't think it would be I wasn't expecting to hear Nine Inch Nails on uh-huh. this soundtrack uh, obviously because they weren't bad but I wasn't ex- expecting to hear industrial-esque kind of stuff but I thought it might be a bit more rocky than it is this yeah. is a 80s pop record <laughs> basically right kind of yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. it's an 80s pop record yeah uh, but I mean it's got you know when you think it's got um, <laughs> it's got in excess or a rock band? Well, okay. It features in excess Roger Daltrey, yep. Echo and the Bunny Men, Lou Graham, uh, Thomas Newman, and a bunch of others that I don't know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've got to be honest. I don't know most of the people who are right. On here. Okay, I know Roger Daltrey. Um, yes. I know in excess. he loves he he's big into Brexit. Isn't he, he? Does, he loves third it, he? reference of Brexit. Yeah, yeah, he loves it, doesn't he? Yeah, he also <laughs> he loves it. Looks like my nan at this point. Oh, he's so right? old. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, uh, yeah, so you know, that uh, it's got Jimmy Barnes and in excess covering the easy beats, it's got like a cover of Don't Go, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me by um, uh, by Elton John. Is that I didn't even know that was a cover, I feel disgusted. Oh, think. well, it bloody is, you fool. Lots of covers then because people, people are strange, people are strange, yeah. Um, a cover of um, I Still Believe by The Call by some oh, fucking hell, it's all it's, it's a lot of covers, then it's quite a few covers. Um, but really, the big song is Cry Little Sister mm. by um, Gerard McMahon, which we... Um, mm, we I recognise that. Last... Yeah, you recognise that. Probably because it has been covered by Aiden, of all oh, people. I, I don't think that's where I recognise it from. But, Probably but... not, but it has been covered by Aiden. Oh, good. Um, so get over First it. First and last mention of that band on this podcast. I ever, think you I might have mentioned them before. Oh, fucking hate them. Yeah, not a yeah. good band. No, terrible. Not a good band. But um, yeah, so, I, so yes, this essentially is... A load of kind of uh, fading rock stars being covered or fading rock stars covering things. Um, looking back and listening to it now, you're right. For a vampire movie. It's very day glow. Very day glow. Odds. Surprisingly day glow. <laughs> yeah. An odd, yeah. An odd collection of songs. It but is then the not. The 80s, what an odd time it was. Sonically, it's not miles removed from Footloose, I would imagine. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. not, though, is it? No, not really. It's not. No. It's really 80s. Yeah, well, it was the 80s. Yeah, it was. What are you saying about it then? You oh, know? I fucking hate it. You hate I, it? Well, well, I hate it's too strong. I just hate oh, the 80s. I hate the production. What? It's so annoying. What is it about the 80s production, particularly on this? Because, I mean, this is let's this take, is full 80s, isn't it? Let's take a song that I thought was cool, Yeah. but ruined by the production. Uh, the first track, Good Times, basically a rock and roll number. Yeah. It's got a really good um, uh, beat and rock and roll drive and stuff. I love the vocals. I can't remember who does it. Who does it? Oh, it's in excess, isn't it's it? It's in excess, but it's uh, it's it's Jimmy Barnes. Uh, is I Jimmy believe. Barnes the vocalist? Yes. Uh, it's just dulled by the OTT 80s drums and percussion. Which, <laughs> it's the sheer amount of reverb yeah, so put much. on everything. Mm. There is nothing dry on it whatsoever. If you can imagine the drum sound I'm talking about is uh, Hero, Bonnie Tyler. You know, um, you hit a drum and it it sounds off for like three seconds rather than just being a dry crack, Mm. you know. Um, And that was so prevalent in the 80s. Money for nothing drums, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think 
you know, Rick Rubin realised this with Slayer. Those first two Slayer records. Yeah. I'm going to say it's controversial. Sound like shit. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, because yeah. they are reverbed to fuck and they don't sound heavy. And Rick... Not sure that's what this album's going for. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, admittedly it isn't. I'm just trying to make a be, 80s... Be more like Slayer! <laughs> I'm just trying to make an 80s production point. Yeah. And, and, and Rick Rubin came in in 1986 and went, make everything dry, because he had, he had the foresight to go, this is just a fad, this mm. whole reverb thing. Um, not, that I, not that I hate reverb, it's just when it's coating the entire fucking mix, you know. Um... And I, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, I, I don't hate this album. My, I was far too strong. I, it's just, I, it's just eighties. It's just so fucking 80s. I cannot imagine sitting down and listen. Well, I mean, the thing is I cannot imagine sitting down and listening to this record without knowing what was going on in the film. Around right. It. Okay. Like, I'm not sure I could do that. Well, it's very... the only pleasure I get from it. It's like I listened to that. I nearly gave you the Rocky Four soundtrack. You heard that before? <laughs> well, Probably I've seen well. Rocky Four. Well, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you've heard the Rocky Four soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine listening to those songs on their own. You couldn't do it without the idea of Sylvester Stallone logging a like, no. logging a big thing of wood up the hill, could you? Yeah. Is I Have the Tiger from four or is it three? three yeah. Okay. I think I Have the Tiger probably is it's on probably four. On it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. So, yeah. So I... I well, I had nothing in my head. You had nothing in your head. <laughs> no, not really. Other than... Well, I can Those tell you. Songs. I can tell you some things I had in my head. I thought. Um, second, so the second track, "Lost in the Shadows." Who does yeah. that? Uh, Lou Graham. Lou Graham. I wager, if Bon Jovi had done that song, you would not like it. No, probably not. Uh, third track, "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me." I wager, if Meatloaf had done that song, as opposed to Roger Daltrey, no, you would like, like it. I would like. You'd like that. Uh, I, yeah, I like me. I, I, I happily would happily listen to Meatloaf. All right. I mean, I to be honest, I wouldn't happily listen to Bon Jovi, but <laughs> Bon Jovi have got some big old songs on them. Yeah, yeah, of course they do. Like, there's no getting away from that. Um, Laying down the law by Jimmy Barnes and the Excess is not not that good. No, <laughs> no, the, it's old, not. the one as well. We got to People Are Strange by Echo and the Bunnymen. Yeah. Now that for me, growing up, was the definitive version I of. See. People are strange by okay. by the doors. Yeah, by Echo and the Bunny Men. Um, I'm presumably you think that's quite scandalous. I think you think oh, it's not scandalous. Uh, Massively incorrect. Uh, Hugely offensive. No, because because I understand. I can empathise with the fact that that was the version you heard, and that's yeah, the you version like you're version of Staying Alive, Mormon Beaches, <laughs> one, don't you? Exactly. Get raw with the fever exactly. on the dance floor. I'm I'm trying to think of an example where that is the. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, Jamie Lemon's cover of Popeye. <laughs> um, here's one. I prefer Gary Jules's Mad World to the original. Which is which? Which some people would find sacrilege, yeah. but that's because I was. That's fine, but I like Gary, that though. Gary Jules, the Gary Jules version is a goth as fuck, and B, it's just it's just <laughs> it's just, it's more goth than anything on here, um, and it's um, it, it's just the version that I've heard first, basically, and. You know, when I heard the 80s version, I was like, oh, that's a bit 80s, isn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, mate, it's funny, this. It's funny to give you a bunch of essentially very, very, very average um, 80s, 80s artists right. doing very average 
80 songs. It's not a great record. Oh, that's okay. I, I, I mean, I, this is not a good record. I was going to say, I, I, I sort of assume that you do did love this record. I love the film. Yeah, sure. Okay. I was going to say, if you do love this album, I can't reconcile this with your tastes because it's so cheesy yeah. and you don't tend to like cheese. And I was going to put to you that if you like this record, you only like it for nostalgia reasons. Yes. Uh, which is fine, to be mm. honest. That's fine. Um, I like Crossroads by Bon Jovi, mainly for nostalgia reasons. Mm. Um, but uh, I yes, but I don't think it's a good record at all. No, Lost I mean, Bo- Lost it, soundtrack. it's almost certainly it's not a good record. I mean, I have <laughs> to be honest. Rubbish. It's, it's well, almost certainly... Is it rubbish? It's just not very good. It's not, but what it what it is is it's a time when you could get a bunch of people who, since it is in excess, Necco and the Bunnymen and Roger Daltrey, really in it. Let's be honest, like no one else. No, no one else stands out from no. that. And you could probably sell. I mean, I don't know how many um, copies this sold. Let me see if I can find out how many uh, people. How many? It sounds like a this record. It sounds like a time capsule of a time, um, and it captures that very well. It's just a time capsule from a time that I am not particularly fond of. Well, anyway, I mean, it, it, it got re-released in, on CD in 1990. It was, it was released in 1987 and then was re-released in 1990. People would buy this record. I used to see it in the shops all the time. Like, yeah. Buy it, like, as a, and it's just a time when you go, bloody hell, remember soundtracks. You could just get a big film, get a load of old fuckwits fuck together, half of them you've never even heard of before. You could get them to do any old pile of crap, yeah. cover a door song cover an Elton John song get a children's choir in it another children's choir thou shalt not I mean that is a banger I don't care what you say that is, that, that is probably the best song on it yeah, yeah I wouldn't wicked. call it a banger but it's, oh, it's a banger like don't right. you be asked to leave if you're not careful <laughs> and um, and you could sell you could probably flog 8 million records nostalgia is a very powerful thing this wasn't nostalgia this was then this is what I'm saying. Is you don't get that anymore, do you? Like, can you imagine? Do you remember we used to film soundtracks? Yeah. If it was a big film, yeah. And you put the songs in there, you would make a soundtrack. You fucking like you mentioned the crow earlier. The crow was a yeah. massive thing. Yeah. Like it was actually good. Natural Born Killers was a massive thing. It yeah. felt like it was actually a lot more thought had gone into it. Well, I was going to say. Then it got into like the last. Well, Boy Natural soundtrack. Born Killers was um, done Trent by Trent Reznor. Yeah, of course. And... Um, but. But anything, like, do you remember the, the, we spoke about Batman by Prince? Uh-huh. Um, you go to Batman Forever with Hold Me Through and We Kiss Me, Kill Me. Great That's song. got Kiss My Rose, I think, is on that yep. as well. The rest of it, I think it's got a Smashing Pumpkins song on it. No, it's um, got uh, sm- uh, fucking hell, The Offspring covering yeah. sm- Smash. Uh, no. Covering Smash. No. What, the, the Offspring the, covering the, the Damned. The mashed potato. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, is that Idle Hands, um, isn't it? That's Idle Hands. Oh, you might be right. I can't remember. Anyway, anyway um, the point It's got is, PJ Harvey. It's got Mazzy Star yeah, on it. It's yeah, got, yeah. Anyway, and, you know, the, again, uh, the, the fucking Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet making stars out yeah. of... You know, Everclear's biggest song is off of that. Yeah, yeah. Like you but used, surfers are on but it. But surfers yeah. are on it. Um, you used to be able to... The cardigans... Like, you used to be able to just cobble together a load of music, whack it in your film stick it on a CD mm. and sell 15 million records if the film was big enough. Yes. It's mad. It's madness. I That is interesting. I remember... Can't do that anymore. Can I we? remember buying the Batman Forever soundtrack. I hope we're not going off the subject too much, but I remember no, buying... No, this the... is the subject. Definitely, this is the subject. <laughs> okay. I remember buying the Batman Forever soundtrack and being massively disappointed, yet again, because 
it didn't really fit the aesthetic yeah. of what I thought that film what I mean Batman Forever came out when I was 12 years old yeah so I was exactly the right age for it um and I know a lot of people didn't like Joel Schumacher's Batman and and now that I'm older I totally get why um but yeah, it's at a the, piece of shit it, yes no sorry I was 10 sorry I was 10 when Batman Forever came out so I was even more you know gullible to it and I fucking loved Jim Carrey at that point and all that shit mm. so um I absolutely adored it. And then, and then bar, you know, hold me through me, kiss me, kill me, for example. I mean, kiss from a rose does not sound like it should be on a Batman movie of any kind. What's no. it? Sunny Day Real Estate are on that, uh, soundtrack. Actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, eight is on it. Yeah. Um, but you know, like sometimes those soundtracks were more popular than the film. You get a big film. Yeah. Like Godzilla. Oh right? yeah. The, the reboot of like when Godzilla, Oh, it's Godzilla is back with Puff Daddy and, it's Puff and, Daddy and Jimmy Page. Page. And, and it's Green Day. Jamiroquai. Jamiroquai, Deep Underground. What did Green Day do on Godzilla soundtrack? It's, brain, it's, it's the Godzilla remix of Brain Stew. Oh. So it's just Brain Stew, but with a with like... Oh, you're kidding. Over the top of it Jesus. for no reason. And I mean, that soundtrack was massive. These soundtracks would get like fully, fully get into the album charts and be like the biggest selling album of the 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 week. It'd be number one in the... It's, you know. There were songs in the key of X. Uh, for the X Files, which yeah, was, I remember um, that. Food Fighters on it, Filter, Filter on it. Filter yeah. on it. Nick Cave there was, was on that. Nick Cave. Know. There was REM featuring William Burroughs. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. There loads of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it was an interesting time, but that was the nineties. I think people had sort of yes. at least tried a bit harder in the nineties. So in, what are you saying? Why doesn't this happen anymore? Is well, that a question you're why, asking? Or? No, no. You know why it doesn't happen yeah, anymore? Yeah, I was going to say. It doesn't need to happen anymore. Yeah, There's no yeah. money in music. They're yeah. not going to make... F- movies aren't going to go, oh, we'd better put together a really expensive Having said cast that, of... I mean, they occasionally Suicide try... Suicide Squad? Yeah, they they, tried they, that, they, they? occasionally try with... Yeah, but I, I remember um, there was a lot of fuss made over... Um, fuss and nonsense. <laughs> uh, Live to Rise, the Soundgarden song for Avengers Assemble. I know it's going mm. back a bit now, but... Yeah. Uh, I mean, dreadful song, unfortunately. Do you remember um, when they, ACDC's greatest hits was just called Iron Man 2? That's right. Yes, of course. So they do still try it now. It just Mind doesn't... You, that was a long time ago now. Iron Man 2 was quite a while ago, yeah. yeah. Um, it just... It's, so I think I think they do still try it. It just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Um, but that's why I think I picked it, A, for nostalgia, B, because I thought you listening to Cry Little Sister by Gerard McManus would be quite funny. Um, I also was hoping we'd you know we get to talk about how great lost boys is but you know oh i'm sorry mate i can uh i can uh we're, we're planning a sort of movie special at some point so maybe i'll, I'll try and watch it for them yeah if you it want. is good i keep wanting to watch it because you're the, the second person who's close to me recently who i've discovered hasn't watched lost boys and i was like this isn't right but the surely. other person hadn't even heard of it yeah that's true so that's mad that. more for them that's mad yeah Anyway, that's Some, it. There you go. The Lost Boys on. soundtrack closes <laughs> up our show uh, today. Um, next week, Renfrey, what you gonna give me, sir? Uh, <laughs> I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying themes. So, um, based on the fact that we did Danger Mouse and Carano this week, I'd like to give you. I'm gonna spoil it. Probably my favourite Danger Mouse record. Mm. Uh, I'd like to give you the self-titled Broken Bells record. Okay, cool. Mm. Now you just moaned at me for saying that you were expecting something heavy and you didn't get it. Uh, I didn't 
moan. No, I've said that now. I'm not going back on it. So not yeah. a chance. Okay. So you've just, or you've just, you've just gone. Ah, I thought it was going to be heavy, and it wasn't. So okay. you want something heavy, do you? You want something that's going to hurt your ears? Is that what you like? Okay. Metallica gives you heavy, baby. Um, I'm that's, gonna... that's the impression I do. I do James F. Yeah, and very well indeed. <laughs> Yeah, go on. Um, I'm going to give you Atari Teenage Riot live oh, at Brixton it. Academy. Yeah, this is isn't this the gig that you said you almost went deaf at or something? Yeah, it's going to be. I, well, we'll talk about it next okay. week. But I was at the show. Um, it's kind of gone down in legend. Um, I'll be interested just to, to hear what you think about it. As Excellent. I will, all of you, if you're playing along at home. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll see you next week. Next week, there are albums out from, amongst other people, Devin Townsend has got an album out. Yeah. Uh, we'll be talking about that. We won't be talking about it on the show next week. Well, we'll be reviewing it next week. Yes, fine. Um, go to musicism.net, put in Riot in the checkout, and you get 25% off all of your courses. We shall see you next week. See you later. Bye. <laughs>